Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 98th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these are the Chronicles of Landon Harvey. It is either Bearded Brummy Jamie and joining me, as always, as always, this handsome fella right here. As always, indeed, it's the Scotsman Tom. And welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. Hit it! There. You're about to enjoy the Chronicles of Tom and Jamie. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Mann. Hey guys, my name's Annabelle Knight. Hello, this is Becky Baldwin. Hello, I'm Chesney. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. Hi, I'm Landon Harvey. I'm a ventriloquist and you're listening to the Chronicles of Podcast. No reason for baby's clothes to have pockets. Service dog puts a paw on my lips. Who suggests the poopy nuggets is? Depends on who it's for, right? Is it for a guy or a girl? You can never go wrong with an STD test, especially if it's negative. Landon Harvey is joining us this week. He's a 22-year-old comedic ventriloquist who has amassed a following and over 1 million people on TikTok. He not only performs with puppets like Jackie the Jackalope, which you can see on this week's artwork, Bill the Zombie, Mervyn the Perverted Old Man, but he also makes puppets for other people as well. So he performs with them and he makes them. And even at such a young age, he's now opening a school to teach other people how to do ventriloquism with his ventriloquist university. That's absolutely amazing. Um, sadly, I was not available. I was not here for this interview, which I'm genuinely gutted about from the way you've just explained that. And I was like, oh, that would have been <laughs> But uh, superhero, super special guest, Mally Malpass, uh, special host, guest host, should I say, uh, took my place for this one. As obviously, like we, as you know, I was recovering from dental surgery. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to hear this one because obviously I have no idea what happened. So, um <laughs> Landon, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. It was a, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, and I'm sure Mally filled my, if not exceeded, you know, my spot. It was great. And it, it was very weird interviewing with a, with a different co-host, but I enjoyed it because, Mally, you are a wonderful human. And thank you so much for joining me. It meant the world. Yeah, we do love you, Mally. You, no, there are no adjectives or no words that could truly explain just how much we do love you on this show and we love you in person. So um, also Landon, again, thank you for joining us. It's uh, it's yeah, it's great. And I'm really excited to hear this. Jamie. Yes, sir. Do you happen to have any final words at all? Just a massive thank you to our wonderful guest this week. Landon, you're incredible. You're an inspiration. You've achieved a hell of a lot at only 22 years old, my friend. It is phenomenal to see everyone. You're going to enjoy this one. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, it's Landon Harvey. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you another wonderful guest. We've spoken to puppeteers on the show before, but today's guest is different to them all because he's also 
A ventriloquist? I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> At only 22 years of age, today's guest has amassed over a million followers on TikTok alone, entertained countless numbers of people with his wonderful cast of characters, and is even helping future generations of performers. Boys and girls, today we bring you the bad boy of ventriloquism as we bring you the chronicles of Landon Harvey. Yeah, woo! <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, my friend. It means the absolute Absolutely. world. Be- no, for sure. Before we, we deep dive into, into your life and your career, sir, let, let's hit the hard-hitting questions. I don't know if you noticed, but there's been a few things going on in the world the past couple of years. How is mm-hmm. How was your pandemic season, as we're calling it? You know, it's it's been a weird thing to navigate. I started in the pandemic wanting to do comedy clubs, and then I realized that I couldn't stay out till 2 a.m. to go up and do, you know, three minutes with a puppet for a bunch of wannabe comics. So I defaulted to TikTok and started doing all these live streams. And through that, I've cultivated an audience. I've tried out so many puppets and jokes and material, and I've realized that people wanted me to tour. So I've grown a lot. It's been something that has been odd because I tried to start my career in it and I've kind of had to navigate around it. Um, But looking back, it kind of primed me for what's next. So, yeah. That's amazing. I I love when we talk to people on this show and people are like, yeah, it sucked. The world was falling apart, but I turned that negative into a massive positive for myself and really like developed my skills and honed my craft. So it's amazing to hear you did that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. what happened? It feel it always feels weird asking this question, especially to someone who's like only twenty two years old. But what did you originally aspire to be when you were growing up? Before you discovered the world of puppets and whatnot, has it always been entertainment for you, or was it like train driver? I don't know. <laughs> I was never, uh, I was never subscribed to any type of friend group. It was very hard for me to be social. Um, it was just something that I, I kind of built this cocoon. Uh, with expectations and and feeling like I couldn't um, relate to anyone my age. And I still feel that a little bit. Um, so it was always hard for me to make friends or for me to go into any of the other uh, sports or anything like that. Um, and so I always found comfort in ventriloquism ever since I was six years old when a performer came and did ventriloquism at my school. So it's always been ventriloquism. And uh, now it's more entertainment and getting into the whole uh touring and legal aspect of it and the whole business side um mm. from default you know having to and the whole social media aspect and having to market and build your online presence and all that junk but it's always been puppeteering it's always been ventriloquism and uh now it's more of an emphasis on on how how many jokes can i write how funny can the show be and uh how well can my characters and what i'm doing with them relate to my audience that's amazing. To do the work you do, though, you're saying then you didn't have a lot of friends growing up, but you must have like a bit of an outgoing personality and whatnot. Have you always been that way or is it something you sort of had to train yourself to do to do this work? Yeah, I would have to say throughout the many shows and streams that I've done, I've been able to break out of my cocoon. Uh, it was this very bizarre thing that I crafted as a child for my own comfort. And now I realize that it, I don't really need it. Uh, through, comedy has allowed me to realize how uh, we're all just humans on earth and we're all going through very similar situations. And um, I don't need to be quite as, as guarded or worried about what other people think of me because regardless, what are they going to do? Laugh at me? I'm a comedian. That's what I want. So, 
you know, I'm I'm not too uh, not too uh, worried about it. And now I now I make friends through the live streams and through the shows that I do, and um, I've got other entertainer friends that uh, see my stuff and you know talk shop with. So it's it's a neat thing. I still don't have many friends my age. I'm friends with older performers because I want to um, suck the knowledge that they have and and just learn from them, kind of like a Merlin's Apprentice kind of thing, but. I still, um, I still try to throw in the occasional, you know, twenty-two-year-old relatable joke or whatever to show that look, I'm still, I'm an old soul, but also I'm one of you. So, I was, um, I was just saying to 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 Jamie before before we came on that um, obviously if you're if you're in the ventriloquism game and you're in the comedy game, you're going to see other other people doing that. But to to people like Jamie and I on the outside of that, we only ever see like a ventriloquist raised to prominence about once a decade. Right. Um, and it's like, um, who was the, what was the name of the guy, Jamie, we were talking about earlier? Um, Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham, you know, about 10 years ago, he was, he was everywhere, you know, he, he was as viral as you could be at the time. Um, but then it seems like you're like the next generation of that. You're probably the, the first to successfully utilize social media mm. in doing that. Um, and basically you were saying about how busy social media is for you and having to do with the promotion stuff as well. But I've been thinking about ventriloquism as like sort of an art form today and how multifaceted it is. So you don't, it's not just puppeteering. It's not just the voices, it's character development. Um, and it's, I was, I was thinking quite weirdly about it because you have to sort of disassociate your own arm, mm -hmm. um, but also be in full control of it to be a puppeteer. Right. Um, is is there anything that was particularly challenging along the way that you that you struggled more with? What came easier to you? Was it the voicing or was it the puppeteering? It's interesting. I think the biggest problem people have when they're learning ventriloquism is they try to do everything up front at once. Um, I'm creating something called Ventriloquist University, which is ultimately my master class, my university into the art form, um, and that'll be out in a month but and in instructing this i've realized like i have to teach how i've learned and i've learned in stages uh, i've learned in stages and on stages but i began learning the letters of ventriloquism you know not moving your lips is like the most basic entry to the art and then yeah. from there you have to make sure the puppet is different from you and there's a conflict because that's what creates comedy and then you have to make sure that the voice is different um than what people are expecting or than what the puppet looks at so there's there's really a a rush of a variety of things that you have to be aware of. But I think once you get to the point where like I've done over like 400 of these streams and a bunch of shows before that. And so now I'm kind of to the point where it's kind of second nature for me. And what I have to worry about is if I'm introducing a new character, making sure that it's a different voice or that the material that I'm doing is, is relatable. I think the hardest thing for me now is, is figuring out what, what the next character is going to be. And also making sure that the characters I'm using are still relatable and people still like them. And you know what what makes them likable aside from you know the reason why I like to perform with them. So yeah, cool. <laughs> um, so how many how many dead characters have you got? Like you haven't they haven't gone the whole way. They haven't quite made the cut. You're thinking, oh, I'm onto something here, and then all of a sudden you're like, no, this isn't this isn't floating. This is. Well, for a minute, I thought you were talking about Bill the zombie because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. I've yeah. got him, but he's, he's half dead because he's living dead. So, yeah, um, yeah. 
But uh, how many dead characters do? That's a great question. Um, I have, as a ventriloquist, you start with the the basic little toy dummy, and then you want to get something that's more of a pro- professional figure. And for me, that was my character called Scooter, and I used him for a while, and then I realized he was kind of one dimensional, and so I I kind of boxed him, and he's uh, in the back of a closet somewhere. Um, so I have, I've him, and then I've got the occasional puppet that I will build that um, I have fun with, but I don't. There's an essence that I have to have with a character for me to want to continue using it. And uh, I've done like I had this cat puppet that I recently used in a couple of videos, and it was fun. But I'm I don't see that as a long term character. So like I ended up selling that because I also build puppets and sell them. Mm-hmm. So I probably have around five or six puppets just in my attic or basement or whatever you want to call it that are never going to see the light of day just because they were uh puppets that that i needed along the road of my journey to get to the jackalope and the zombie and the uh mm. you know pervy old man <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing we've spoke to like a fair few like puppeteers on this show noel mcneil paul rugg tim rose yeah. people like that like and They've told such amazing inspirational story, but who inspired you to actually want to do this work? Initially, it was a ventriloquist that's local to Dallas, where where I currently live. His name is Dennis Lee, and he would tour these school shows as Dennis Lee and the Funky Monkey Bunch. And he was a ventriloquist with all these different monkey puppets. He had probably about three uh, to four and they were all different ages and and relatabilities and i was very quiet as a kid very kept to myself and i remember the magic of seeing him perform live at my school he had these crazy whimsical and uh, colorful set designs he had the the message mixed with the the entertainment and the comedy value of it and then it was also just the magic of him being a b- believable ventriloquist that really kind of sparked it for me i said i wonder if i could do that and it wasn't until later that I realized that I could. And then I realized there was something within me that wanted to pursue this and increase um, dramatically. And so that's that's when I pursued it. I would start doing, bringing my puppets to show and tell in class. And then I got into Boy Scouts and I would do little shows for my, my comrades and Boy Scouts. And just then that turned into retirement community walk around things, which then turned into corporate gigs in Dallas and just, kind of everywhere and then along the way from being inspired by dennis i've i've seen you know dunham and and fader on tv and uh david strassman who's big in australia and nina conti and all these fantastic ventriloquists that have now in one way or another become my friends so it's kind of been kind of a wild experience but you you were saying you like learn how to do this did you say you were six years old and you started learning how to do this I was, yes. How where does it how does a six-year-old start to learn ventriloquism? How does that even happen? <laughs> well, for starters, he has to have nothing else going on. And for me, that was <laughs> that was it. And I had I had nothing else going on. I had a sock and a mirror, which is you know, the three things if you're gonna start ventriloquism you need. So I just practiced in front of my mirror for hours and uh, I would get home from school and I'll do my homework later. And I, I get in front of the mirror. I'm like, how believable is this yet? And how good is my technique? And eventually what I didn't realize is that that would turn into a TikTok live stream and me going back and examining and going, is that, that's, that's believable or that's not good. Or, you know, my friend would message me and go, dude, your, your lip technique is slacking. You got to like tighten it up. And I'm like, oh God, well, I'm on social media now. I have to, I have to be aware of that if my ventriloquist friend is calling me out. So it <laughs> kind of, 
it kind of started with that and then spiraled. I um I was watching some of your um your TikToks and, and more viral stuff earlier and talking yeah. about the age that you started. I noticed um some drawings in in the background, mm-hmm. and I thought maybe were they were they like character design or was that or was that just something that was in the room you were in? <laughs> well, I've got I've got some fan art over here on this door that I put up. Uh, so there's that, and then I also have character designs and drawings and stuff in my um, oh my puppet workshop, which is my my oh. garage. So it's a bit of both. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I just love the idea. Like this might be the British in me, but the idea of like a a kid in in school knowing ventriloquism just sounds so dangerous in a British school. Like it's like. Fuck off, miss. Who said that? No one. I have no idea. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Did you ever use that when you were younger to be a bit of not that I will admit. <laughs> <laughs> this has been recorded. Good point. <laughs> yeah. You you mentioned there as well, like you're in your garage building puppets. Where did you learn to build puppets? <laughs> Eventually I kept wanting to buy puppets, and you know, my parents told me, you know, you need to you need to do something with the ones you have. And I started, you know, creating little bits and I would perform them, but it wasn't enough. And I didn't like the puppets enough. And I remember my friend on Facebook had posted that he had built these puppets. And I thought, that's amazing. How do you, how do you, so I kept bugging him about it. I said, how do you, how do you build it? What is it you're doing that's, that's different? And, and he said, eventually he's like, listen, I'll just land it. I'm just going to send you some patterns. And this is what you do with these patterns to create a puppet. Have fun. And I got him in the mail a week later, and it's been a, a crazy experience ever since because I've taken those patterns and I've built puppets of my own. And then from learning how to how to deal with those patterns, I've created patterns of my own. And that's why all my puppets are different sizes and shapes and one-offs and whimsical. And um, now I just, you know, I do occasional puppet builds every now and then, whether it's for myself or for someone else. And I love the challenge and the, the whimsy that I'm able to bring to uh, foam and fabric and fleece. <laughs> what um what inspired the 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 jackalope? Um, because it's quite a, it's quite a niche mythical animal, isn't yeah. it? Really? I think it's like Eastern European or something. as the jackalope, isn't it? Or is it Canadian? I don't know. I think it's something like uh, that. Originally uh, from Wyoming. Oh, is it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the the jackalope, I wanted to have. I found this voice that I could do that was um kind of a, a midwestern voice, kind of a funny and bizarre voice and i was talking with my friend who is you know just weathered by years of comedy clubs and experience and he's got this artistic eye that just resides in a cartoony nature and his name is bob rumba and i was talking with him one day and i said i can do this voice and bob bob always helps me with my voices and solidifying them because he does all these voiceover uh work and he's very familiar with that whole um tribe of voices I said, I can do this voice and I need a puppet for it. I need something different that hasn't been done. And I think it'll end up being my my main character, my peanut, my Bugs Bunny, my whatever. And uh, so we went through ab- about 15 ideas that night and we stayed up till 4 a.m. going through all these ideas. And I got, that's not right. Initially, it was going to be a, a fat guy in a duck suit, which was one of the ideas that we had. Like, that's really funny, but that's like almost too out there. I know, a bunny with horns. Let's do that. Um, he said, I had never seen anyone with a jackalope before. 
And for me, how relatable is a jackalope? Well, Darcy had her rabbit. And so if I had a rabbit with antlers, that's kind of bad boy. And I can, I think I can make that relatable. Um, and if it doesn't work, I'll build the puppet. If it doesn't work, I'll sell it. And so I never kept the patterns for Jackie. Jackie was a one-off build. I just whipped him up in a week, um, started doing TikToks with him and people really liked him. And then over time performing on TikTok, this was back when TikTok only had, you could only do like maybe 30 seconds to a minute. Now you can do a lot longer. Um, I had to speed up the voice. So over time, the character changed because the voice had to be quicker. And now he is this ADHD kind of sticky iPad kid all rolled up. <laughs> so I've made him relatable um, mm. to a degree. And uh, it's it's been fun. Now people uh, request him on my show and on my streams. So it's, it's funny how something can start with nothing and a little spark and yeah, he's a really he's a really standout character, isn't he? Like he 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 like pops on the screen. I um I was watching earlier, and I, I you know I started with the the Mister Whiskers. Is that is that the puppet that you got? You sold the Mister Whiskers. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a I'm a cat guy, so I thought that was incredible. Um, oh, thanks. Straight away, but then you know, getting to the getting to the Jackie videos, that's the one that absolutely pops. That's you know. That, mm -hmm. it seemed like a signature character um yeah. in in the uk a very very long time ago when you're of a certain age like uh like i am we had um puppeteers in ventriloquist that were really big on light entertainment we had this guy that had a, a bear called nookie bear and in the in the uk nookie is another word for for sex you know and it was all very very tongue-in-cheek have you have you looked back at any of those sort of ventriloquists from the past or puppeteers in, in the uk are you familiar with any of the we had spit the dog. Um, it wasn't really ventriloquism. All he did was spit. Um, he just go. Oh, that's all he did. Um, and we had like Nookie Bear and um, Orville was a massive one. If you haven't seen these, I know Orville. Um, I know of Orville. Yeah, Orville mm. and Chuckles the monkey. They were like a. They were like a social phenomenon. Yeah. Um, back in the day, like every because we only had three TV channels. Everybody, <laughs> everybody <laughs> knew them. Yeah. Those, those were the days. I'm I'm older than I look. Believe me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, obviously, you you have you've got the uh, the the ventriloquist in the states there that you're you're really familiar with. But is there anyone or the other than Orville you're familiar with from the UK, or is it just um, is it just that one? You know, current ventriloquists more in the UK. Anita Conti, I mentioned earlier. Uh, Max Fulham, who's a friend of mine that's rising ventriloquist in the UK, fantastic. Mm. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Steve Hewlett. Uh, he was on uh, Britain's Got Talent years ago. Fantastic act. Um, so more of more of the contemporaries mm. uh, of, of UK events. But we have a ventriloquist convention we attend every year, and we have a museum, and that museum is housed to hundreds of of dummies with just wild histories. And it's <laughs> always fun to walk around and see. Oh, look at that! And they're you know these warped, weathered little dummies sitting there with a a history behind them and it's it's fascinating to read their little little placard and um to imagine that the life that that yeah. is so yeah I've, that'd be, I've that'd be, yard. yeah that'd be terrifying to some people wouldn't it being in a room of oh a ventriloquist dummy so that's like ultimate horror for some people Ab absolutely and i get i get that question a ton like are you are you able to sleep in the same room as them and i'm like well yeah i built them i know that they're not real yeah. and i i put them in locked cases so i cover my own <laughs> <laughs> um, i was about to say the idea of that museum terrifies me simply because that old original <laughs> ventriloquist dummy the stereotypical one from like early early like the black yeah. hair and 
scares the living hell out of me. That is a creepy looking puppet. Oh, Slappy? <laughs> That's it. Fun? Yeah, yeah. Oh, just, just thinking about it, it gives me the <laughs> yeah I, I love it and and what's weird is they should have a section of that museum that is dedicated to the creepy lore of ventriloquism uh and they don't it ends up being the entire museum by default so <laughs> it's, it's pretty, pretty wild but uh yeah it's, it's but we were talking then just about about jack but could you give us just brief people who aren't aware just a rundown of like your main characters you got jack bill you mentioned earlier mervyn and biscuit like yeah who who are these characters and tell us a bit more about them um okay so the oldest one that i've been using is mervyn and he is an old retiree that hangs around this um sketchy retirement home called shady folks and uh, he's kind of a ladies man and he always flirts with someone in the audience we do a bit on that so there's there's mervyn young that's him um old man and his uh his late seventies. There's Jackie, the jackalope. There is uh, his imaginary friend Kip, which we never see but is alluded to. There's Bill the zombie, who is this um, just mopey divorcee um, that happens to be a zombie, which I thought was just so funny. And so I'm having a lot of fun with him. And then there's his maggot that emerges from his head, Maggie Maggot. There's Biscuit the dog, who's just this little west midwestern pup. And there's you know, a bunch of others that just make their way into the streams or the different things that I do that uh, become background characters. I had a joke that Mervyn would talk about with this character at the retirement home called Pirate Patty. And I eventually created a puppet of her to show her in the in the act. So she comes out at the very end of the show. And it's a riot. So there's her. And then I've got some other characters that are in development that are a lot of fun. And I'm really going for whimsy and wacky and whimsical and kind of some ventriloquism with an edge is kind of what I'm pushing for right now. So my next stuff is going to be even weirder, <laughs> but still relatable. So it'll, it'll still have some tangibility to it. Where'd you get so, the inspiration? Uh, sorry, Jamie, go on. I was going to say, where'd you get the inspiration for these characters from? It just varies. You know, sometimes I see people out and about something, you know, the current character that I'm building right now, I've had as an idea for a while, but I, I wasn't quite pinned on what he should look like. And then we went to our ventriloquist convention and I saw some of the people there and I go, that's him. That's him right there. So it's, it's amazing where you can draw inspiration from. Like I said, uh, this, you know, crazy mad scientist of, of characters, Bob Rumba that I talked to, uh, we come up with so many ideas just laughing our heads off. And so whether it's people I see at the airport or people on TV or voices in cartoons, I try to uh, jot it down and kind of keep a, a working folder of it. Because sometimes you have the character idea and then you have the voice and you don't realize they go together until you're like, you've got everything in front of you and you go, well, maybe this would go with this or maybe it wouldn't and that's why it's funny. So uh, I recently realized a voice that I had uh, that I'm able to do was funny for a new character that I'm working on because it kind of takes the edge off of the character. And uh, when, when I reveal the character, you'll know what that is. So it's uh, it's a fun process. So you, um, I saw um, a, a short clip where you were at the dentist and you always, you did a little a voice for the, the sucky machine because his life literally sucks. Yeah. Um, do you do you do that quite regularly? Do you do you, do you assign voices and characters to random stuff? That if you go and get a coffee or something, you're looking at the coffee machine thinking, how would that sound? How would it present itself to the world? You know, I think if they made me wait an hour and a half on a coffee, I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> like how they did at the dentist. 
um, I kind of started looking around. I'm like, how many TikToks can I film in this in this time? And then that became a challenge. So I think I filmed like five. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes you can draw inspiration from uh, inanimate objects, which is always fun. And uh, I got in a comment saying you should do that at the dentist. And I thought, yeah, I should. So why not? Yeah, that's amazing. It's good comedy. Yeah, I did want to talk a bit more about the art itself of ventriloquism but without giving it away or teaching us how but how exactly do you do it is it all because obviously you can't move your mouth is it all like throat action that doesn't sound right um but but you know it's more than just not moving your mouth really isn't it but what actually is it i don't know how i'm trying to word this <laughs> ventriloquism is all tongue placement which also sounds dirty but it does, it's yeah. true and uh and that's that's what it is you can't move your lips but if your jaw is wired shut, you can re you can realize that, you know, it's not that hard to uh, to learn ventriloquism. You know, it's it's mostly me bouncing the tip of my tongue off of the back of my two front teeth for all the hard letters, PMV. Um, you know, that's just years of, of practicing in front of a mirror going, how how does everyone's mouth is formed differently? But how does this work for me? There's been a lot of letter substitutions and that kind of thing, but that never sounded convincing. So it's really just practice, practice, practice. And um and me kind of situating my tongue to where, I mean, half of the time people will look at the puppet, but you know, when they do catch you doing ventriloquism, you don't want to be, you know, waving your lips. So it's just a lot of that. It absolutely <laughs> it's absolutely like re reframing, isn't it? It's like reframing sounds and finding a different way to, to present them. Like the, 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 the classic that everyone always says is, is bottle of beer, isn't it? Right. Bottle of gear. That's, you know, that's the first step in, um, in ventriloquism is, is trying to make that b sound in a different way and then presenting it that way is that is that something that you've come across are you familiar with the, the bottle of beer thing i i am yeah that that's how all these instructional books teach you they're like okay substitute b for g so you'll say goddle of gear but you'll think bottle of beer and that yeah. never you know and the problem is these you know the reason why our our art has a bad rap is because people have been doing this for years and they haven't gotten past goddle of gear so they still sound like that and then everything else just falls to the wayside um so there's a small percentage of, of ventriloquists that are really worth their weight but yeah then you then you have your hobbyists and everyone else but um yeah that was never quite convincing for me so i i thought i'm not going to do that i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out how to say it and what it, what it is really now is just me if i said bottle of beer whatever i'm just situating my tongue so that it, it hits and over pronunciates the B's or the P's or the M's uh, on the back of my front teeth, two top teeth and my palate versus um, having to use my lips. So you're really kind of substituting the lips for the, the palate. There's just a lot of that rehearsal. And also, you know, if you don't want to do that, finding words within your dialogue that you perform, if you don't want to say there's a problem, you say, what's the issue? You know, there's other ways uh, around it that are people, most people won't pick up on. But if you're a trained ventriloquist, you go, oh, they're trying to sneak around that. So um, and that's fun to catch, too, because I'm obsessive over that. But, you know, you want to get to the point where you don't have to, you know, curve your dialogue or worry about what you're going to say or can't say or whatever, just in technique, let alone, you know, what to ban you for. So. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Is there anything. Is there, is there anything that you see in other ventriloquists or any any particular discipline in it um, that you would like to aspire to be able to do? Like, you know, can you throw your voice or can you? Um, there's a there's a comedian in the in the UK called Rob Bryden, um, and he does this incredible little man in a box 
voice mm. where he somehow makes it sound like there's this, this little guy trapped in his voice in his voice box and it's incredible and is there any any element of it that you that you haven't quite got yet that you would like to aspire to do or, or is anything that any other ventriloquist has done um that you think i wish i would have done that or i'm gonna aspire to that in terms of the just the art, the the basic art of ventriloquism, it's it's ventriloquism, and then it's throwing your voice, and that's mm. that's um, tightening your vocal cords and making your voice sound like it's further away than it really is. Um, so you know, I can do that. I'm not the best at it. I'd like to probably get better. Terry Fader is really good at it, and we're actually going to film something with him for Ventriloquist University, where he kind of teaches and walks you through how to do that. But um, probably that, in terms of of classical technique and in terms of stuff other ventriloquists have done uh really the persistence and the just pounding of the pavement until you get to a point where you're happy with um you know dunham's done that uh nina conti uh you know strassman all these great known ventriloquists that are just killers in the art um have really inspired me to keep going it's, it's amazing and like we're talking here, like being able to actually just do ventriloquism in general, like talk about right. moving your mouth from on it. But you've also got to do different voices, like change the way your voice sounds on it. Like that blows my mind also. But is, is there a limit to what you can do with your voice in ventriloquism? Or is it literally just practice and you can do anything if you really put your mind to it? I, I think some I think it's uh, self-awareness. I think some people. um want to get better and want to be able to uh have more distinct voices i think some ventriloquists only have one or two or maybe one and a half so uh you know i think it varies per person um <laughs> you can go watch some of the biggest ventriloquists and some of them have a lot of voices and some of them don't um some of the voices sound like other characters because they need to work on it more and it's just how, how much time are you going to allow yourself to develop that voice or that character um, and I've, I thought I had a certain number of voices and then I, through talking with, um, you know, Bob, I realized that, okay, you can take one voice and you can slightly alter it and then work on that, harness it. And that's a completely different voice. Um, and also not putting similar characters on the same, on the same uh, lineup. So if I have my character Mervin, who is kind of a Midwest voice and Biscuit, I'm not going to put them side by side. I would have Mervin and then I do Bill and then I do Biscuit. So you kind of break it up. So even to the audience there's no oh well that kind of sounded like that because nothing to, that possibly breaks the illusion even though at the end of the day they're they know that they're going to see a puppet show you still want to keep it alive so the, the mental capacity as well like blows my mind because i know me i'm an idiot i'd get completely mixed up i'd start like talking normal for the <laughs> puppet and doing ventriloquism when i'm supposed to be talking as myself like <laughs> so that, that there's that side of it as well uh, do you ever like find yourself just like tripping wires in your head like getting things mixed up or are you like you're on um i'm definitely mental about it i don't think i've ever mixed them up a lot sometimes i'll have two characters on both hands and yeah. i usually become silent because i'm having to create the chaos for those two and sometimes there's it slips where the voices swap or whatever because i you forget because you're going if you're going so fast with the insults or the back and forth you kind of forget who's who and so that can happen but for the most part it's pretty uh i keep it on lock <laughs> yeah you you've achieved some really awesome things like in your short career so far and one <laughs> thing that really stood out to me is you opened a halloween party for dick van dyke how did yeah. that happen? <laughs> um, through chance and opportunity, 
And, uh, you know, I had some, I have some, a lot of friends in entertainment and, uh, one thing kind of led to another and Dick's wife had seen me on TikTok. She actually had followed me. And when these friends posted that I was uh, working with them, she reached out to them and said, Hey, do you think he would come to Halloween? And, uh, that was back in a couple of years ago. And uh, they said, absolutely. And so I got to do that. And now I'm a part of that every year and it's always a blast and, um, very uh, fortunate to be a part of that. That's amazing. Have, have you got to meet Dick? What is what's he like? He's a very polarizing character, from what you hear. Uh, Dick is exactly what you would think he is. He is <laughs> he is charming. He's with it a hundred percent, even at ninety seven. Um, he's witty. He's uh, recollective on his past career and people that he that he's talked to, and he's always in the moment. And he's just overall charming it's it, it was very very magical getting to meet him and to continuously meet him over the years is, is always fun um, that's so awesome and, yeah. and another amazing thing that you've done is like we spoke about it i touched on it earlier as well is, is your social media because you know social media is currency in this day and age let's be honest <laughs> with you 1.2 yeah. million followers on tiktok alone how did you get such a following? Is it a slow progression over time or did like a video blow up that got people's attention? What, what was it? I think it's, I think it's a mix of things. I started TikTok in 2019. There were a lot less people on it then. So when I, when I started posting my videos, everything hit, you know, 10,000 views in 10 minutes. I mean, it was insane. I was skipping class to go to the bathroom to check my notification and go, Oh my, this is crazy. I need to, double down on this it was that it was that wild uh so there was that there was the persistence of it there weren't i didn't have a lot of competition there were a lot less ventriloquists on it during that time 2019 and um i i realized that i need to start using my own hashtags and, and making it where people can find me and find ways where i can reach a larger audience so after the influx of people joined tiktok and it's kind of you know, getting oversaturated. I started doing more live stream stuff and that's how more people find me now than my videos popping off. But every once in a while, I'll have something hit. Um, I did a video recently with an alligator puppet that is going to hit 6.4 million. And so you never expect certain videos to really do well, but then they do. And, you know, it's just gravy on the whole presence. So... <laughs> Yeah. That, must, that must drive you slightly mad as a social media creator, especially you put all this effort into a video, you're like, this is going to be the one. And then it's like, oh, well, it didn't go very far, did it? Damn it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that happens time after time. And it's it's funny because I do certain videos for myself and for the art, and I'm really happy with the way that they look and they're aesthetically pleasing and I like the edit. And they'll do okay. And then I'll do something, you know, that takes less than five minutes and that will just skyrocket. And I'll get people that recognize me for it. And so, you know, it, it is what it is. It's part of the beast. And, um, you know, it's really just how many videos can I crank out? And then, you know, of every, you know, 100 videos, maybe two of them pop off. And that's what happens. So I can imagine someone stopping the streets like, oh, you did that video. Like, yeah, I did that one. But did you see this one? Did you see yeah, this one? Yeah, this is exactly. the one I'm really proud at, of. Watch this one. Look, look at all the others that I've done, like anything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's funny. And now, and now we do the live stream improvisations. And I, I have uh fans and and people that that chop them up for me and we kind of post the highlights from that to promote that so um eventually once i get start started on my tour we will take uh tour clips and live stuff from the show and we'll post that too so i'll become a 
amalgamation of of everything online and out and about that I've been doing. Yeah. Have, have you done yeah, any? Oh, mate. No. Well, I was going to say, have you have you got any plans to sort of um, immortalize any of your your puppets as like plushies and sell them? I mean, I'd I'd really like a, a Jackie plush. Um, to be honest, I think it'd be an amazing thing. If you got, are you going to go down that route at all in terms of merchandising, or to just keep it to the the university and the the puppetry thing? Yeah, I'd I'd love to create my uh, characters as plush, you know, stuffies and even little uh, hand puppets. But I'm not quite at the level where I can do that yet. I've I've looked into some alternatives, and they're not quite convincing enough for me to go down that rabbit hole or jackalope hole. Um, <laughs> I have wanted to. You know, most of these people, you have to, you know, go to someone in Indonesia or one of these places and get like ten thousand of them done. And you know, I don't quite have the numbers to sell that many or to even, you know, have my own warehouse. But that's that's on the uh, that's on the books. And eventually, I'll have something called Build a Bill, where it's Bill and various by zombie in various parts, and you buy a piece of merch and you get his leg or whatever. And then you eventually you get it. You can you know have the whole little doll. Mm. So I've got I've got fun ideas like that that will eventually get you down the line that. Right now we're stored. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a good idea. That is amazing. I like really that really peaked me up and I was like, oh that's great. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah, so, you're saying like you're prepping for a tour and whatnot now. Have you done many in-person shows? I have, yeah. Uh, way before TikTok. And then I started doing TikTok. And the interesting thing in my career is that. I've been catering my act to the people I perform for. And so I would do a Cub Scout show and it would have to be themed kind of toward that family friendly kind of Cub Scout. I would do a corporate event and it was really like, what did they want me to cover and what was the message there and how did it incorporate into their speech? And so now it's, what am I presenting? What am I known for? What are the characters I want within the hour, hour and a half show? And how can I get people to come and see it? So now I'm able to kind of do my own thing, which is really empowering and exciting because I realize that these characters that work online will also work on stage. And so now it's just really tailoring my show to be something that's enjoyable and different and a unique experience for my audience. Um, can you remember the first show you did? Uh, I can. I, I had done smaller shows for family and friends, but the first one that really uh, sparked the desire to perform, I was, a, I was a choir boy in, I believe, my junior year of high school junior maybe sophomore year uh, of high school my choir teacher who knew I was a ventriloquist came over to me one day in class and he said we have about a 10 minute slot in our next uh choir recital would you like to do a little show with your puppets well we you know we have people that are changing into costume and and all this I said yeah that'd be great and so I ran home that day and I told my dad about it he's like well you need 10 minutes of material so at the time I would work with my dad and we created this great little routine with Scooter and then this other turtle puppet that I had. And I ended up performing and that was for uh, an October show. And I remember it was just like nothing I had ever experienced. It was probably an audience of uh, 200. And I went on right after music. So people were like ready to laugh. They were ready for something different where they didn't just have to sit there and you know slowly glaze over to another uh, old old song or something that was rebooted by the choir director. And uh, it was magical. It was exciting. I, everything landed. And I remember afterwards, I said, I got to do that again immediately because it was like a fix. I was addicted to it. And I thought that's, 
I have to, I have to capitalize on that. That's a, that's an emotion that I really, um, I'm addicted to now. And I, lo I love performing and I love the, the, everything that builds up to it, the writing, the creation, the dialogue, and then, you know, you go on stage and, you know, it either kills or it doesn't, or it does okay. <laughs> and it's, it's always the unknown that's exciting about it. That's first ever performance being in front of 200 people fair play because that sounds yeah terrifying. yeah it was well it, and it was it was people that didn't know me so it was refreshing it was like okay well you know i don't have to worry about you know looking doing a bit and then looking across at my grandma or whatever at you know the family table like i would do these things for thanksgiving or you know in cub scout banquets or whatever or even even things for uh you know Susan's sixth birthday party that's like 30 minutes away from where I live and now those were okay and you know I got I got paid for those and it kept me from having a real job at the time but doing something of that caliber where I was walking onto a stage with full lights and everything and I'm looking into a dark you know audience it was just like a I see that I that was not gonna engulf me or I would I would tame is just a lot to take in and so that was that was really exciting when I was able to realize that I could deal with it and kind of a personal milestone for me in terms of what would be next. That's amazing. Talking about your live shows as well and, and your performances, something I alluded to earlier and I meant to ask, what exactly makes you the bad boy of ventriloquism? So where did that name come from? Uh, it's a it's a very funny uh, origin story. Um, our, we have a, there's a, a couple of things, but we have a convention, a ventriloquist convention. And uh, a couple of years ago when I was really popping off on TikTok, I think I had 800,000. Um, I, I had, a, I had a, a puppet posse, a group of other ventriloquists and we kind of walked around and um, it, we kind of ruffled some feathers because we're the next generation. And so I was talking with this elder, you know, and from our community and he's like, he's like, I don't know. You just have this this essence to you. Like you walk around here, like you're the bad boy of ventriloquism. And I like to talk to him. I said, Can I use that? Has that has that been taken yet? And I did. I used it. And uh, now it's now it's fitting because I've got this this weird show with an edge, and I've got wacky puppets, you know, an antler, a, a rabbit with antlers, and a dead guy with a maggot, and all the next stuff that I'm going to be introducing is kind of out there. And uh, that's that kind of adds to my bad boy thing also i don't really subscribe to the typical material or the i mean my characters are charming but they're just different they're more in your face and i think that goes into the name <laughs> i love the way yeah. you're popping I mean, up the color where you're saying it as well like, yeah, yeah well you know I gotta, and then there's the whole like, god i gotta keep up appearances thing so let me fix my collar rustle up my hair yeah you all that have you um uh, have you have you been approached because your social media um presence to do anything like America's Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent or anything like that? Or is, is that something you consider if the if it came along or are you on a different path to that? Uh, yes. A <laughs> uh, <laughs> little, little bit of everything. Every year they approach me because uh, I get people that tag the AGT channels in my chat, right. in my comments. Um, and I'm, I used to audition for that show when I was a lot younger and I'm glad I didn't make it on. Cause one year I thought the first year I auditioned, I thought I was going to make it on and I didn't. And I'm very fortunate enough for that. Cause I've really evolved from there. Um, eventually I will get on America's Got Talent and I'll do the show. Uh, but what I've realized is AGT is not uh, the thing that will propel me to stardom. It's the thing that will help me with the next step of my career. So yeah. if I do the show, I want to make sure that I'm ready for it. And then also if I get voted off or whatever happens, I've got something after that. 
And so in yeah. creating this tour, I want to be able to have a tour so that if I go on the show, um, I can promote that. And then after people see me, they go, well, we want to see you live now. Well, I'm going to be on tour. So that's kind right. of that's kind of been my next step in, in creating that. Because I've seen a lot of acts, ventriloquist and otherwise, that um, they go on the show and maybe they're younger or whatever. And they do all right. And they get this following and then they get off the show and they've got they kind of go back to what they were doing before or they don't have enough of an act to really sustain them to the net their next venture so i've really made sure that you know if i'm going to do this i'm going to be strategic about it and i think that's the biggest thing when a lot of these young ventriloquist kids learn ventriloquism they think i'm going to learn ventriloquism then i'm going to audition for agt and i'm going to become the next darcy land or the next whomever and it really doesn't work like that i mean it can but that's kind of a scary way to go about it um, yeah, it's all legs in one basket, sort of. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you don't quite know. Um, it, it just seems like a quick way to burn out. I mean, Darcy's fantastic, but she's one in a million. Um, and, uh, you know, with her singing voice and her skills and, you know, everything that she had to offer. So I think if you're wanting to learn the art, you know, you should learn it and start doing shows around town and just kind of that kind of thing or online or whatever. Um, and really come into your own and figure out who you are within the art form. I'm just now figuring that out. And it's been a journey of what, 16 years. So I'm not saying it has <laughs> that long, but you know, enough, enough time for retrospection and all of that. One thing cool. I've noticed when talking to you, you've got a very smart business mind for this. Like, you know <laughs> where you're going. Like, you may not know how you get in there yet, but you know what you're doing. You know what, like you're saying. I'll go on Americans Got Talent if I've got this lined up. Like, does that right. business mind in you? I can it's really coming across. Where does that come from? You know, I probably just a a combination of things. My dad is very business savvy, so there's that. Ah. Um, I've been told by multiple people, don't do something unless you're really ready for it. And so there's there's also been that. And I've seen a lot. I've gotten to know a lot of these entertainers in the business that are people that I've looked up to or that I look up to for various reasons. Maybe I don't want to become that, or I don't want to go down that path that they did, but I, there's a lot to learn from what they did. And um, I'm, I just, I've also naturally second guessed myself on everything. And so the business aspect of that, you know, kind of ties into all that with like, what's the next move and what is the best thing for me to do at this point where, where I am. So, and I, and I, I seek counsel with, my higher ups and and management and all that fun stuff that they say well you should do this and then that will help you with this next thing and so actually i do it yeah so the, the council of ventriloquist elders <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's the illuminati but everyone's you know in, in cloaks and they're dummies in a cloak and it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very weird because we do a chant and the puppets do a chant it's a whole thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> What a fantastic! What a fantastic image that is. You know, yeah. that, that could be like a that could be like a Netflix special. You know, of a, <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually or... great. I should uh, reach out to Mike Myers on that. He would probably love that idea. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did want to go back to something we were discussing earlier, and that was the puppet making. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, you don't just build them for yourself. You also build them for other people. Like I say in my intro, helping the next generation of puppets. Um, what's the process for this? Like, how much detail and information do you need to get given to go into something like this? I usually try to extract as much detail as I can from the uh, client that's reaching out to me about a custom character. 
I like to know what the voice is going to be like, what the character is. Uh, I can build the puppet without that, but there's certain aspects to the design of the puppet that I can incorporate if I know the full the full realm of what this character is and why it exists and why it does what it does. Um, and it's stuff I look for when I'm building my own puppets that allows me to connect more to the puppet. But um, I, I really kind of send them a questionnaire. I say, you know, what's the character's name? Uh, who are they? You know, what is it going to be used for? Is it stage or television? Uh, you know, what what are you wanting to evoke when you bring out the puppet? Is it scary? Is it goofy looking? Is it funny? Like my thing with my zombie was one of the biggest hurdles that I was trying to figure out is this zombie has to have like a Disney kind of quality to it. Like it's got to be creepy looking, but also friendly and it has to teeter on that line. So when I bring him out, he's got to be like creepy and goofy looking so I can have him talking about, you know, I'm going to eat some lady's brains in the front row, but then he can also do it like a, a throwaway joke and be charming. And so it's, and that's kind of the line that I surf with that character. So if I'm going to do something like that, I'm not going to make it completely gross. Cause that just, that just throws it out and that kind of runs it. I want to kind of be on that, on that edge where you don't know which way I'm going to go with it. And that's what I look for with, with, with my clients. Um, you know, is the character cute? Is it goofy looking? Does it have a, um, a quirk? that can be incorporated into like a mechanism, whether it's a blinking or like an ear popping up or, or something like that. I usually get on a call with them and we go through this list and sometimes they don't quite know what they want and I can kind of direct them on what I would do if, if I were to have the character. And sometimes that's helpful. And then sometimes, um, you know, we draw inspiration from the sketches that I do and then the process of that. And I go, well, that's kind of like what I imagine it, but it needs to kind of change a little bit. And there's a real design process to that that usually takes about a month before I wow. even start building. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Like, it's, it's weird from being on the outside, you don't realize just how much thought and behind the scenes goes into something, a, a puppet. It, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's great. Well, you know, I, you know for, for my stuff, I really want it to be iconic and memorable. And um, so I, I do obsess over it. And it's it's the one thing that I that I love. So if I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend hours you know, in the shop revamping something, it's got to be worth it. And it's got to be um, able to connect. So it's very important. You can really, you can really tell the attention to detail. I was watching, sorry, I forgot the name of the zombie character already. I, um, oh, Bill. Yeah. Bill. Yeah. And I, one thing I noticed about Bill and how animated the character is, is that um, there's two elements to it where you've got that bottom jewel that's, that's really loose and flowing. It's not, it's not linear at all. So you've got yeah. a massive expression there. And then you've got the, the stick on the arm that you, you continually go back to to animate that character when it's needed. So you, you can, you know, you're you, you land on, and then all of a sudden you're like, you're in there and, and Bill's animated again. And it's, there's, a, there's a wonderful sort of organic nature to it, um, oh, which, which, yeah, which makes it, you know, it makes it immediately... Um, iconic, you know, and that's that's something that's obviously changed in ventriloquism because it, it traditionally it was very stiff, mm -hmm. you know, wasn't it with the, the you know the mouth bit and stuff like that. And um, it's obviously the, the puppeteering thing. Um, there's there's obviously sort of a lot of Henson um, inspiration going into it in the way that you that you puppet it. You know, is that um, is that something that you like aspire to to be that sort of iconic have you ever, have you seen the documentary with elmo where the guy's just yeah. walking around yeah and then you, flash, yeah, yeah you, you forget that the guy is underneath the puppet he's that 
is that convincing? And he's quite a big dude. Yeah, you know, and you yeah, absolutely he forget. He's like, oh, and he walks in, um, and you completely forget that he's there, and it's it's incredible, and it's sort of that immersion in the character. I don't know what my point was. I was I was just I was getting really excited about Bill. Um, <laughs> no, 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 but you you make a great point because that that is true. You know, traditionally, when you think ventriloquist, you think of the wooden dummy that sits on the table next to the performer, mm. um, and that's great and all but the reason why i do a lot of soft puppets is because they've got more of a range of motion and when i'm performing on these big stages i want i build them a bit bigger than the typical soft puppet and i want them to be able to lean into the audience and to fly off my arm and to do all these crazy mm. things that you couldn't do with a you know a stiff puppet like that mm. um so that's why that's one of the reasons and then i also think like well what is this bill the zombie has gone through probably four variations of the puppet and the current one i'm using i'm very happy with but it took a while to go okay well his mouth needs to be able to be more malleable like that uh because i'm gonna i want to have him bite me or i want him to completely fall apart and so it's it's certain little details like that that people really take and appreciate in the videos and then also in the performance aspect of it um and then with jackie you know his antlers of you know they were never originally they look like um fungus and so i i got better at building antlers right. you know i had to keep redoing those and uh just even small elements like the muzzle the original jack look it's the same puppet but i tore off the muzzle when i redid it i i wasn't happy with it and i think that that essence of being critical of your work and going well what's going to what's going to bring me that much more satisfaction when I perform, but also what separates it from the other characters and what adds that magic element to it is kind of what keeps me going and what sets me apart from, you know, your typical vent. Mm. And it really does. It really does. It shines through, you know, that, that, that professionalism, but that, that passion for the art as well. Um, you know, you haven't, you haven't become jaded, you know, but it, it's still very. Well, I'm young. There's time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I try not to mention people's ages because I feel like I'm being patronizing or condescending when I mention how old, you know, when, when Jamie said earlier, you know, oh my God, you're 22. And I was like, I've got tattoos older than you. Um, <laughs> and I don't I try, not to, I try not to mention people's ages because um, I don't want to be ageist in any way. But I mean, yeah, it's absolutely apparent that you love what you do. Um, mm. And it's fantastic. You know, and I'm a, I'm a new fan, you know. I, I'm absolutely going to be following your exploits. I think it. I think what you do is incredible, and uh, I'm a little bit jealous that I didn't get into ventriloquism when I was a kid. Ugh. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's neat to um, also, you know, you I put out this stuff to kind of build my presence and and what I'm doing, and then as consequence, I inspire people along the way, and that's always fun. We just had our annual uh, Vent Haven ventriloquist convention. And uh, I got to meet some of my fans there, which was really, really neat and kind of talk oh, wow. to them and introduce them into our community. So mm. that's all. That is awesome. I, when you were saying then as well about like helping the next generation, meeting fans and stuff like that, you've touched on it earlier and I do want to mention it again. Um, starting your own ventriloquist university, which is absolutely amazing that you want to pass that knowledge on to other people. Where did that idea come from to start this? it's probably a combination of a couple factors there was a uh, ventriloquist course that was kind of being dissolved and i had talked to the the higher ups about wanting to revamp it and they said you know we could revamp it but we really think that you should start your own thing and this was during the whole bad boy 
of ventriloquism thing. And so I, I'm talking to them and I go, I, I'll do it. But if I start my own thing, it's going to be branded with my name and it's going to be kind of ag aggressively me. And I want to make sure that, you know, if I do that, I have y'all support and that no one, you know, it doesn't ruffle any feathers. Well, you're always going to ruffle feathers, but I, I try to, you know, ask for forgiveness or permission or whatever the order is. Um, so there was that. And then there was also, I gotten a lot of people on my live streams and in my videos uh, wanting to learn ventriloquism. And I didn't have anything out there that was instructional or that I could push them to, to teach them. And if, in everything I do, I always go 110% into it. So I thought I could create a Patreon, but that's kind of, it's what everyone does. And it's kind of seems hokey to me. Um, what's the next step up from that? Oh, I know. I'll create a whole website and I'll get all my friends to be part of it. And I'll be the dean of this ventriloquist university. And uh, that's what I did. And so I, I've created Ventriloquist University. It's a online course. You subscribe per year. And what it is, is it's you learn the beginnings of how to do ventriloquism and then everything mm. beyond learn into markets and everything I wanted to know and wanted to have access to when I was a beginner in this. Um, and so through that, all these connections that I've made in my art, I've been able to interview them and have them be part of the university uh, featuring as guest lectures. So it's been a really neat thing. So not only do you learn ventriloquism when you join, but you also are introduced to this whole community. Mm. So it's, That's, which is important. I, That's, I didn't have that when I was younger. Was a sense of. of I just, uh, I just, just had a brain flash of another Netflix special there. Um, <laughs> if you, um, I don't know why I'm giving this away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> imagine, you know, a series. Um, what's the. There's a lady, she's really goth and she does like cooking things and she has puppets with her in the show, Christine something. I can't remember what it's called, but um, the, the I just had this... of Christine McConnell, I believe. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I just had this vibe of, um, you know, ventriloquist university where you're there and then you've got like kids and they have to make their own puppets and then do it. And it could be like the new drag race or um, <laughs> or next top model, you know, That'd be amazing. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of range to uh, play with that idea for sure. Yeah. Credit me. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Molly gets a producer's role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just give us, just give me that Stan Lee production credit. That you never did anything. Yeah. You're going to cameo and it. it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> Get one of the puppets to look like him. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> before we start wrapping this up and i did want to mention you you have your own podcast that you do um yeah. live. you've had some amazing guests on the show including the gentleman we spoke to you know bill cop amazing mm -hmm. amazing man um you spoke to a lot of puppeteers and ventriloquists like, on the show how much knowledge have you like gained from them from talking to these guests not a lot. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've gained I've gained tons from talking with them. Uh, I started the podcast because I wanted to be known by the uh, the elders of our art, and I wanted to pick their brain on on different things that they've done in their career that uh, that they were proud of or that they maybe were not so um, fond of to kind of learn like what is it what is this art that I'm getting into what is the business side of this and what is the uh, the pitfalls. And so I started the, the podcast and I was just interviewing a bunch of ventriloquists. And then from there, I realized, well, people enjoy the podcast. I want to kind of vary it. Now it's just creative people that I, I talk to and reach out from and uh, people that I befriend on TikTok. And it's just kind of evolved from that. But I've, I've learned a lot from these ventriloquists um, and it's been a, a neat ride to get, be able to chat with them. Is there any particular moment you're like, hold on, I need to grab a pen and paper. 
say that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nina Conti. I had a great interview with Nina and it was a lot of fun. And uh, most of her show is improvised. And that's, I do an improvised live stream show, but I, I don't think I could ever uh, confidently go out there and just improvise uh, an hour to an hour and a half. And that's amazing that she does that. And she's so uh killer with it consistently and so we we talked on certain subjects in terms of improvisation and and the believability of the character that uh, i really resonated with and so that was a good watch and something i look back on and listen to every once in a while before we let you go landon what's coming up for you is there anything you've got going on that you can talk about anything you're working on or anything like that yeah, so uh, in about a month, I'll be releasing uh, Ventriloquist University. I've been, that's been a year in the making. So check out that, ventriloquistuniversity.com. And then I'm also putting a little tour together. So follow me on Instagram, uh, mainly Instagram, but Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook threads, all that junk. Uh, Landon Venting, L-A-N-D-O-N-V-E-N-T-I-N-G. Uh, we keep you guys updated there, and that's where we post most of our stuff. <clears throat> I was going to Fantastic. ask if you had any plugs or social medias, but you beat me to it on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go grab a sock in a mirror. I think right now. Um, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to spend the rest of the evening trying to say bottle of beer into a into a mirror. That's going to be. That's gonna be slowly go insane and welcome to the club. So, yeah. <laughs> Mally, do you have any more questions for our wonderful guests? No, I'm. Um, I think. I think we're good to let Landon go. It's. Um, it's been fantastic speaking to you. It really has. It's uh, it, it's a a little walk down a down a road that I never thought I'd be conversing about. So I think it's it's fantastic. I love what you're doing, and I wish you all the very best um, in the future. I'm sure you're going to be huge. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. This was fun, you guys. And <laughs> I just want to say as well, you know, one thing I love when we talk about people who are so enthusiastic and passionate about what they do. Because I feel like there's a lot of people in this world, including myself, who really wanted to do something and never mm. followed it because they taught themselves out of it for whatever reason. So to, so to know that at six years old, you're like, you know what, I want to learn how to do it. And you've stuck to it to the point <laughs> that you're now 22 years old. You've got a massive following on social media and whatnot. You tour, you're going to go on tour. and all It is absolutely amazing. And it is oh, really thanks. inspiring. And I, if I was wearing a hat, I would tip it to you, my friend, because it's, it's honestly incredible. Well, thank you. It's, it's been a wonderful journey and I've just gotten started. So it's... Yes, indeed you have. Landon, thank you so much, my friend. Really appreciate taking the time out. Sir. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. These were wonderful questions. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. All the best. All the best, my friend. Howdy. Take care. What a phenomenal interview. This one was so much fun. Landon is a great, great guy. He's a like, like I said in the interview, and I said beforehand, how much that man has achieved at 22 years old is phenomenal and inspiring. So people, please share this man. He, he deserves all the love you can give him. Absolutely. Landon and Mally, thank you so much for being a part of, of the show. It means the absolute world to the both of us. Uh, obviously, I, again, wasn't there, so I can't give any feedback. But I really hope that you all enjoyed listening to it as much as we, as much as Jamie and Mally did recording it. How are you doing? You okay? I'm very well, my friend. How are you? How are you? Why do I always say that twice? I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know why you do that, actually. It's kind of a... It's not weird. but And I always find you do it in different tones as well. It's almost like you want to reiterate that you're asking, you're making sure that I'm okay. <laughs> How are you? How are you? <laughs> that face is terrifyingly wonderful. It is not great, is it? <laughs> it is not great. 
Um, I love it. Love it. it was kicked straight into the show after the interview. It's beautiful. I, I think I prefer it this way around. You prefer it's, it? You prefer it? I'm, this I'm, way around, yeah. I'm still adjusting. I'm still adjusting. Oh, yeah. I like it, but I'm you still said adjusting. said those things twice then. Yeah. Well. So Apparently, I like to emphasise things this week. Absolutely wonderful. Um, <laughs> do you know what I would love to see? I would love to see Instagrammers, influencers, as it were, try and go to the 90s and use disposable cameras. I would absolutely love it because you can't filter anything. You can't alter anything. There's nothing you could do. You take a photo, then you have to wait about four weeks <laughs> because you have to wait for the film to run out. You have to then go to the supermarket or some specialist Photoshop. Not, I'm not talking about Photoshop on, online. I'm talking about a genuine shop for photos. Yeah. And then wait for them to develop them. And then they go, no, no, right. So I've binned most of them because most <laughs> of you are in a bikini. So I'm really sorry you can't have those. It's classed as pornographic oh potential. God, I forgot they used to do that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, they did. So I've got one of you and your, and your as it, I don't know if it's your other half or your husband or whatever, but they wash your faces. Enjoy. There's your holiday snaps back. On the, on the, and they went holiday. I'd love it. I'd love to see how they'd react to it. Be like, was it any good? Can I get that good side? Is it? I don't know. I can't filter it. I can't. I, it's just me. And then they've got to wait all that time to get it. And then they've got to take it home. They've got to use a scanner to put it onto their computer. So they could upload yeah. it to like MySpace or whatever it was back in the day. Bebo. Bebo, yeah. I just think I ever used that. But oh my crazy. god. I completely forgot about that thing though. We've developed your photos, but you're not having half of them. But we will let you have the one that's just a red screen. We'll put a little sticker on it to say your flash was too high or whatever. You can keep that one. Yeah, or red eye, because obviously red eye was the thing yeah. there as well, wasn't it? So I knew she was the devil. Um <laughs> but obviously no one could send dick pics. No. Dick pics wouldn't exist. Yeah. Oh, she loves she loves this. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm sorry, Mr. Matthews. You just turn around. Um, the police are there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for your time. See you later. How many people do you reckon tried to get developed pictures of like their dick or something inappropriate, like Max Spielman's or something? And then they'll be like, oh, it's my mates for an order. We're just pissing around. Just, yeah. <laughs> how do you know? How do you know to take a photo of your cock if you were on holiday and you were apparently passed out? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you know, because they told me. Yeah, yeah. Be fun, lads, lads. Um, so, that's the kind of vibe I get, anyway, uh, from those sorts of people. Um, so the other thing that really blew my mind, Jamie, was do you remember people's random obsessions with inflatable furniture? Well, yes. I had As some... well. Oh, for fuck's sake. Why? I don't know. It was the 90s. I don't fucking know. It's such a random thing to the... Like, I really want like a, like a sofa, like a couch, but I want it to be inflatable and blue. Like, like why? Why? It's not comfortable. But why Why we loved it so much? I tried to sleep on one once and like, back when I was at my uncle's. I think it was at like my uncle's house or my great-grandma's house. And like, it was like, there was like one room for all six of us. My dad snores <laughs> like a train. And then obviously there was, sorry, five. There was, And then it was obviously me and my, my brother and my two sisters, and we we just couldn't do it. So we all tried to get in the, and I pretty much was awake for much the entire evening, entire night. Um, so I then moved, there's an inflatable sofa, one seater. I tried to like, you know, and it sounds good, just rubbing up against a balloon. <laughs> I tried to lie on it, and I was like, this is absolutely no way. There's just no way. You used to sit in it, and any 
part of your skin that was exposed would just stick to it for the evening. You have to peel yourself off it. Yeah, oh, I remember that. I had an armchair and I think I had a footrest. I did what I wanted the sofa, but I never got one. Well, I don't. I don't. I, why did we? Why did we do that? I don't know. I feel like I need to put a picture up with this conversation because I imagine so many people like, "What the fuck are they talking about with inflatable furniture?" It was a thing. It, it, was, it really was. It really, really was. And I never um, had a pump, so I inflated it all with my mouth, and it took. I think I needed to sit down after I finished inflating the bastard. See, I never had them. My sisters did, but I never. It never cottoned on for me, Jet. And you're older than me, so I, am. I mean, yeah, interesting. Um, I got nothing. <laughs> I'm just, just, I'm just being a prick. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm, I, I, generally, this time I am. I am sorry for the first time. Genuinely, I was gonna yeah, say, I first time in 98 episodes. <laughs> editions. Um, sorry. Yeah, we editions here. Editions yes. here. Jamie, does a snake have a tail? Yeah. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. That's, oh, oh, <laughs> that's, oh. It does, but where does it begin? Exactly. Oh. It's just one long head and tail. It's, it's just one long muscle, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> so obviously, excluding rattlesnakes, because they do, because it's a rattle. Yes. Right, so it's obvious that they have a little tail at the end, but like you said, where does it begin? And obviously, snakes are just one long muscle. So, is it is it is the tail the tip? Is it the very very tip of the tail? Do you know what I mean? I, or, I feel I, like it's got to be at least a bit the point because it's probably got a point to it, hasn't it? I feel like it's got to be at least the pointy bit. But where's the, the rest? Of it? It's not. It just, the, the reason this came into my head was because um, Keris loves catchphrase. So catchphrase was on, um, and afterwards was family fortunes. And normally we turn over because I love Gino, but I don't need no two game shows in a row kind of household. I used to love game shows back in the day, but not anymore. So one household, one game show rule. And it came up with name an animal that has a tail. And yeah. someone said snake, and I just went, but does it? But does it, though? Because it's not, other than a rattlesnake, it's not clearly defined where the tail is. Don't even them a snake. It's the tip of the tail, yes. But where did the tail start? Someone's gonna fucking comment on this show oh, at yeah. some point and be like, "You're a fucking knob." Here's the photo. Shut the fuck up, you twat. <laughs> we got some zoolog- zoologists in our comments tearing us apart any minute. Now. A zoologist or Claire Jones is what's <laughs> going to be, isn't it? Really, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a zoologist or someone that loves animals, <laughs> or it's going to be Claire Jones. That's that's my guess. Hi, Claire. Oh. More than Lila. Oddly enough, she actually uh, wanted me to bring something to the show this week for you. Fucking hell. You know how you had the, the tongue twister last week? Yes. She had one that she wants us to try. She literally sent me saying, please, I really want you and Tom to have a go at this on the show. I did find another one, but I put it in the journal, so that'll be in a couple of weeks' time when we forget about it. Okay. I've, I've sent it to you. Oh, for fuck's sake. That... Okay. So who's going first? Why? What? Claire, why? Why is this? Who the fuck cuts socks? <laughs> Nobody cuts. This is this makes no sense, Jones. <laughs> I reckon she's written this herself. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't she's surprise. the fucking sock cut. It sounds like a fucking mass murder, doesn't it? It does actually. It goes like a Zodiac killing or something. It's like, again, oh, he struck again. Fucking sock cutter. 
I'll catch the bastard. It's been <laughs> it's been fourteen years since the sock cutter killed my father. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you read this fast. Obviously, it's going to be a tongue twister. If you read it slowly, it does really sound like the calling card of a serial killer. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. One sock cutter, he cut socks. <laughs> <laughs> But Jamie, because I did the read one last week, oh, I'll let you go first. I'll go first. Week. All right, and let's see how fast I can say this. Let's see if I can do it. One sock cutter, he cut socks. Two sock cutters, they cut socks. Three sock cutters, they cut socks. All they cut socks together. You fucked together, but you could smash the rest of it. I fucking got the rest, though. You absolutely yes. smashed it. You've, you've literally failed the final hurdle. You're about to win the gold medal oh. and split it to, split, split it to silver. I'll it's okay. It. I'll take it. It's fine. Because I reckon I'm going to fuck this. So <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Right. Are you ready? Go on. <coughs> oh, no, wait. That's later. Wrong <laughs> One sock cutter, he cut socks. Two sock cutters, they cut socks. Three sock cutters, they cut socks. All they, all, all they cut socks together. All they makes no sense. All they cut socks I together. supposed to trip you up. What sort of English school did you go to, Claire Jones? What the fuck's this shit? All they cut socks together? Jesus, I'm not even fucking reading that anymore, piece of shit. I'm not interested. I think <laughs> we fucking nailed that, sir. Because that is blatantly supposed to trip you up to make it sound like we all suck cocks. That is blatantly what was that supposed to do. But we didn't fall for it. Oh, here. is it? Is that what it's meant to be for, Jimmy? So. Oh, or is that where your brain instantly went, oh, that's meant to be sucking... I here really fancy sucking a dick right back. There we go, wait for that. <laughs> Every fucking week. <laughs> you'll be in your bed tonight asleep, like, lovely and toasty and sucking dick. Ah, wait, what? Sucking cock. Hmm. That sounds great. <laughs> Did I remove enough ribs? Why was that a thing? Oh, oh I, tried, I tried to suck my own cock, but my ribs are in the way. First of all, there's a lot to unravel here. Why try to suck your own dick? And secondly... Why do I have to raise your ribs just to do so? Just ask, you know, I don't know if you have a partner or um, or buy a flashlight. There's there's lots of other ways of going around it, isn't there, really? It's just such a weird, like, God, love to blow myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm fucking massive, but I can't get in my mouth right now. Yeah, all right, Dave. I just want to know what goes into the mentality of it. Are you, like, halfway through and you just suddenly go, I reckon I could. That's going in my goblins. Like, yeah, I just never understood um, the process. I've never understood the. I've never understood it. It's not something I've gone. I'm starving. <laughs> I think I might. Uh, <laughs> think I fancy some meat candy tonight. I fancy some sausage. That's yeah. all I've got my in the house. I'm afraid. <laughs> my own. My fucking Richmond chipolata. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was at a buffet. I had a cocktail sausage. I thought, I know what I'm doing when I get home. Just... There's got to be a porno, right? There's got to be a porno <laughs> where somebody is going down a buffet line and there's a waiter who's got his dick in the cocktail sausages. <laughs> Surely. It's got Surely. It's yeah. Got and she's like, and this, lady, this lady's walk, oh man, they're walking down, they're like, oh, lovely bit. And they grab it and go, oh. And they start blowing him and then they fuck in the middle of this buffet with everybody watching. Like, there's, there's got to be something. And then everyone joins in as like a mass orgy or something. <laughs> the buffet version of the popcorn bucket thing. Oh, shit, yeah. 
<laughs> that's the original. The popcorn bucket's the original. Now it's the now it's a waiter at a, co- at a buffet of cocktail sausages. The fuck did we go from a tongue twister about socks to sucking your own dick? How did that happen? Because you brought it up, Jamie. That's I, why. I didn't bring you. Are the problem? No. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing, my friend? How's things? Oh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very good. I'm very tired. Um, I'm unfortunately on that week at work where I do every different shift every day, so my sleep pants just like. Ah! Is it even legal? It wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't, but yeah. Jamie, if you just do seven till three, then do eight till five on the same day, then if you wouldn't mind coming in at nine, doing the night shift and leaving on Thursday, and then we'll never go home ever again. Yeah, pretty much. It does feel like that. But there's a day off in between each shift change, so that's the way they get around it. Yeah. Nah, it's bullshit, dude. Like, yeah. Because then you, you're like, I'm so tired. And you're like, yeah, but I've got to go to work. What do you mean? It's bedtime. No, it's not, body. We have to go to work now for the next 14 days. It's it's more um, the sleep pattern thing because on the one day I'm doing a two ten, so I'm up really late, and then I have a day off, and then I've got to be up at half four in the morning to go to work for six, and I'm just like, I'm not tired though. I'm normally at work still now. What's going on? It's ah! <laughs> in like some sort of equinox or something. It's some sort of like altering like different dimension. It's yeah, it's fucked. I hate it so much. <laughs> you need AI to clone yourself. That'd be great, wouldn't it? That'd be great. Jamie too can go to work today. <laughs> Jamie Wan can have some sleep. Just put, just push the play button on the back of the, the walker on his back. <laughs> just load it full of all my catchphrases. Just say yeah. superb every now and again. They'll know it's you. It's fine. <laughs> or well, yes. Yes. Jim, would you mind doing this extra shift? Yes. Would you mind doing this extra shift? Yes. <laughs> would you mind mopping the floors? Oh, yes. Toilets? Yes. Do you do this extra shift as well? Don't go home. Yes. <laughs> I'm not that oh, bad. Superb. <laughs> It's fucking pick on Jamie week. Piss off. <laughs> That's everything. I did get the rest of the jokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how are you, my friend? How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I'm just so buzzing for Sunday that I'm like, I'm just wishing this week away, but it's like not going fast enough. So it's like, we interviewed last night. I was like, interview was fucking amazing. We're like, but it's only Tuesday. I've got another a show to record and another interview on Friday, motherfucker. I, come on, can we get past this and get to Sunday, please? Um, yeah, I'm going to AEW All In at Wembley Stadium on Sunday, and I'm very, very excited, to say the least. And, I, you know, and Jericho has announced that Fozzie are playing Judas live, and he's sending ah. himself to the ring, which I think is fucking phenomenal. That's wicked. <laughs> So Jericho thing ever. <laughs> oh, it's great. I mean, it's fucking great. I I just want to make sure that I'm not on my phone constantly going record, record. I don't want yeah, to do that. I want to. No. I want to be. I want to be like few photos. It's Sophie. It's the ring way. Right show. And just enjoy it. And yeah. not be like because I might miss. You know. Oh my god, someone's really close to me. Then you miss something. You know what I mean? So I, I know. No, I'm gonna be like few surfers. Here I am. Hello. Phone away. Show. Don't blame you. I don't blame you. I think we only start doing that a little bit more in the moment. Like I notice, like when you're at gigs and stuff like that, like I'm guilty of it myself. You take pictures, make videos and stuff, and then I never look at them ever again. Like I'm like, what did I waste my time taking them for? I've not once looked at them. Fucking, I could have just been enjoying the moment. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, we do. We do, obviously we take some videos when we're at festivals for the, for the show and stuff like that, to just to put some bits and pieces up. Um, but yeah, it's so true. You take it like I've got some inflames videos from Bloodstock. I've not watched them. No, like <laughs> I've got 
bullet from trees. I've not watched those. Like, it's so crazy. Well, I wonder what people actually do with the videos they take. Do you reckon some, some people clearly must go back? Surely. I'd imagine so, but I no, I, I'm good, man. Like, I'm really enjoying my new job. Um, That's good. It's going really well, and I'm just buzzing for London on Sunday. Just so I'm getting, we're getting the bus at like half seven in the morning to get there for ten. To get there for ten, and we can't check into our hotel till three, and doors are at three thirty. I'm like, can we just mm. like leave the bags in the hotel and come back after them after? Some places, some hotels so, later, so you never know. Yeah. So Paris was exploring for the day. So I said yes. Um, so we're doing that. And then we're going to Wembley for like as early as possible so we can be there to soak it all in. Um, I'm going to be so heartbroken when it's finished. Yeah. Like, so heartbroken. Um, as like, yeah. It's weird because I bought the tickets in March. So it's been like five months. I've been like, oh my God, it's going to be so great when it finally gets here. And now it's here. I'm like, shit, slow down. <laughs> slow down. <laughs> Let me enjoy this one more time. Um, so, yeah. But there we are. There we are. So, I'm excited to come back next week uh, to obviously just bang on about All In for five hours. I'm joking. I won't make it six. Um, so, <laughs> what have you been doing yourself, Jay? What's been going on in the world of, of world of Westwood? It's been a pretty busy week, to be fair. I've been reanimating, like I said, on this fucking mixed shifts, which drive me crazy. Uh, I had a driving lesson yesterday. Still going well. Um, we got a new pet in the house. We, we promised Olivia... Oh, yes! Day. Yes. Basically, for years, Olivia has been asking for a pet rabbit. And we were like, we're not going to just go, oh, you want a pet rabbit? Let's go get one. We were like, we're going to hold on and see if she still wants it. So like, for her birthday, we my mom brought her the cage. And because going away, we're sort of blood stock and whatnot, we held off a little bit. But no, but the other day, we went to the pet shop and we brought home Snowball, our new pet bunny. And it's very cute. It is very, very cute. But yeah, we've got a new pet in the house. And the cat is surprisingly well-behaved. I was expecting her to break up fights, like try and catch the cat before she lunges. But no, she's been running away from it. Because, you know. Oh, okay. She's fine. So uh, the rabbit's out and about, like, and bouncing around and whatnot. Um, She's very shy and timid at the moment. Like, we'll get her out, and then she'll just sort of hide somewhere, and then she'll be like, oh, there's a human coming near me. I'm fucking off back to my cage. But <laughs> we're trying to get her to warm up to us. It takes time, then. As I explained to Olivia, you got to think, it's this small, you're this fucking tall. It's quite scary. But, yeah. Does she feed her and look after her and do things yeah. or no? Oh, she she will be. She, she's slowly getting on. We're sort of easing her into it and all going, ah, you now have a pet, you're doing everything. We're not doing anything for you, child. You're doing everything. But I told her she'll be cleaning the cage. She's feeding it and everything. It's her pet, not ours. It's our new pet, Snowball. Very cute. Um... Harrison had his 18th birthday, which was very surreal for me to say that I now own an adult, in a way, sort of. Just <laughs> nice for him to get to see him for much because he was busy when I had a tattoo done in the morning. 18th birthday when I got a tattoo, fair play to him. And then we went to the pub, had a few drinks. I brought him his first ever shot of Sambuca, which was beautiful to watch. That boy's face was not a fan of Sambuca, but... Yeah. No one yeah, is a fan. First, first <laughs> shot, yeah. First legal shot. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say, come on, come on. Oh, the kid the kid's been drinking for God knows how long, but I think this might be his first shot at least from his reaction. I think it's definitely his first that, shot. That's like that that take your dad on the pub thing at 18 doesn't exist anymore because no, it's that's dead. That tradition's dead and buried years ago. Absolutely. That's what I was like. First legal drink 
because I know it's not his first drink. <laughs> I definitely didn't wait till I was 18 to start drinking, so there's no way in hell he did. Um, I got to 17 for me. 17? Well, I was close, play. yeah. Fair play. Can you remember? I had no first friends. Drink it, uh, yeah, beer. I think. It's the beer. The thing is, though, I'm going to, I'll, I'll say it's all that I, because the, the price doesn't exist anymore. I was in the St. James's Hotel in Cheltenham and they were just serving me like you wouldn't believe. And my birthday wasn't for a month. And I was like, this is, I was like, yeah, I'm in the wrong place. Like, all right. All right. Cheers. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. It's good to say, the place is closed down now, so I don't really know. <laughs> well, it's, a bottle of, it's a bottle of sauce now. So it's uh, obviously way different, but still, it was just, uh, yeah. Great, great times. Um, other than that, we did a fantastic interview last night, which was absolutely great. Someone I wanted to speak to for a very long time, so really excited to get that one out there. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Now we're here. What are you, about you, my friend? What have you been up to? Um, not a fat lot, Jay, to be honest with you. Not a whole ass of a lot. Um, obviously, uh, I'm trying to remember we're recording now. Did I come back from... I came back from Bath last week, didn't I? Before we recorded. I think yes. I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. So... Obviously, I've been getting invested in the new job, just getting settled, doing all the bits and pieces there. The weekend, I did fuck all. It was absolutely amazing. Been watching Only Murders in the Building, of course. I need to oh, watch yes. the one from last night, so I haven't seen last night's yet. Um, and other than that, James, just getting ready for the Rugby World Cup. Just very excited for the Rugby World Cup in a couple of weeks. Um, obviously, like I said, we did an amazing interview last night. We got an interview coming up on Friday, and then I'm off to London on Sunday, so just buzzing, just buzzing for the weekend, really, more than anything else. Um, Scotland playing their final Rugby World Cup warm-up game on Saturday against Georgia, so I'll be watching that. Um, but not a whole fat lot's been going on, my friend. Just been watching a lot of AW to keep up to date, so that I'm up to date, so that I'm, I'm when I go, I know what's going on. Um, and other than that, mate, not a fat fuck, but a hell of a lot. There's nothing wrong with a quiet week. No, it's been quite nice. After after Bloodstock and then Bath straight away, I yeah. was fucked last week. I was a bit like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. So the whole weekend I was like, I'm just going to sit on the sofa and go nowhere. And that's literally what I did. Don't blame me. Don't blame me at all. I think, no, I think we went to Cardiff on Sunday. We went to Cardiff on Sunday um, for a bit of a wonder. I had a, um, I, I, I sorted some life things out and I basically uh, took an opportunity to sort my life out a little bit. So I did that on Sunday. Uh, which has been the best thing I've ever done. I'll tell you off off air. Um, it's just been a bit like of a a cleanse and a let's now start again and let's start to rebuild. It's been great. It's been really great. So it's uh, made me very happy. Um, obviously, we announced our live show. Our live show is now live uh, for November 22nd. Uh, Tooth and Dagger have been added to the bill. Uh, so we're very, very excited now for... It's going to be an absolute fucking fuck fest. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be I'm so excited. <clears throat> the Every band is so yeah. solid. Four absolutely solid bands, and the reactions to all the bands on social media have seen have all been like, "Yes, four great brand bands." So yeah, it's going to be a fantastic night. So get your ass to Birmingham to Subside. It's going to be great. It's free. It's free. It's fucking free entry. What more could you want? Christmas. Like, just come and enjoy. It's going to be great. Um, the Sophie Foundation will be there as well, so please come and show your love and support. It'd be great to uh, just pack it out massively. Um, so I'm very, very excited for that. But yeah, man, just buzzing for Sunday. Yeah. Well, I guess we're all caught up then, sir. So let's hear from Braden and stay cosy. Oh, go on then.
All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Barry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boy. Jane? Yes, sir. Do you want me to bring him in? Oh, come on. Let him in. And there you for your favorite, your favorite segment of the week. Oh, yeah. Time for concentrations. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you. And Callum's treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. Callum is back to treat the nation and the world. So uh, we, we, we're not going to hold, we're not going to wait any longer. We're going to hold back. Jamie. Yes, sir. What is Callum treaching us this week? There's no reason for babies' clothes to have pockets, yet seemingly some of them do. Yeah, why do they do that? I just put my dummy. I need my dummy for later. I want my rattle here. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to bring toys. No, wait, no, I didn't. Yeah, rattle. <laughs> it's now sleepy time, mother. <laughs> Damn it! Thank you. <laughs> I saved this one for later, mother. Don't need to look for it. <laughs> Mum's there going, "Where's his foot?" Where parents nowadays? Where's his fucking dummy? Where the fuck is that prick? Where's that fucking dummy gone? I can't find the prick. I can't find it. mother. Don't you worry about that. I have come we are prepared. But why do they do that? Why did someone think it was a great idea? <laughs> Cheers, love. Put the cigarette there. Put the fags in there. Like, oh, perfect. I've got the pockets left. That's absolutely spot on. Look after these for me, son. Um, I think I do actually know the answer to this. It's a traditional thing because of uh, people putting it was good luck to put a coin in the baby's clothing or something like that. I don't know the exact tradition, but it's something about giving money to a baby, basically. That's why you see a lot of old people like being like, oh, we have a 50 pay kid. Callum. Kill. He just Not destroyed your tree. Callum, get him. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I can't believe you just destroyed. Well, let's I mean, have fun with these fucking. I'm not 100, percent but I'm I'm pretty certain that is it. <laughs> I love how much you shit yourself. Alan <laughs> Wright, also shit myself. He's like the loveliest person in the world. Like, <laughs> I know. He wouldn't even. Still... He went, but it's just the way I was just like, Callum, get him. He's just like, and he went, oh, no, oh, damn it, Tom, what? <laughs> The sheer, when you go back at this, look at the sheer horror on your face as soon as I said that. Like, holy shit! <laughs> Again, you've seen him, right? <laughs> that was amazing. That's one of my favourite moments ever. That's one of my, that's going to go on TikTok at some point. That was absolutely incredible. <laughs> Just that sheer, oh my God, I'm dead. That moment was amazing. Well, that I'm, made me so happy. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you were so happy about me being terrified. <laughs> Oh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't even dare. Like he's just the loveliest. Said it. He probably just cuddled you to death or something. Probably. I can't yeah. even imagine him in a bad mood. Like I can't even picture it in my head what it would look like. I'm trying to think if I've seen it. I don't think. I think I might have seen frustration, but nothing. Nothing. 
So with with rugby. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. That's probably why he's so well, he, bro- he, <laughs> he broke his ankle and I got concussed in the same game. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And let me guess, you still won. We drew actually seven all. <laughs> it was the, the weather was so bad, like so bad. Their balls just getting knocked on left, right, and centre because it was just so slippery. Like the rain just didn't stop coming. Oh. So it was. That's why he broke his ankle because he slipped, and yeah, it was game over from there. I think like three or four of us got injured in that game. So let's get Siren Sester, and I think the youngest person was like forty. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, massive, massively going off on tangents there. Jamie, what else is Callum treating us this week? If there's no up or down in space, then isn't it amazing that in sci-fi movies, when there's a big space battle, all the ships are the same way up? Holy shit, that's a good point. Wow. That is a very, very good point. So there's no up or down in space, so... No, there's no no gravity, so... There must be some anti-gravitational thingies or whatever, I imagine, that makes sure that they stay level. Callum, or is... kill him! Kill him, Callum! Destroy what? your tree by answering it. I'm not answering it. No, I, I'm just... I'm asking you, you fucking bellend. Yeah, to be fair, I think there is, like, anti-gra- anti-gravity things that they put in them. <laughs> anti-gravity things. <laughs> I can't remember the exact phrasing. So there's What's... no up or down? Well, it's no gravity, is it? So everything should just float. There's not really an up or a down. It's just... I feel bad now, because I've, I've gone into a lot of thought about this now. I'm just like, rather my, than making a joke. That's my impression of no gravity. Do you know what? If you were... Oh, my God. I, I don't know about you. Not that I'm ever going to space, but could you imagine being in space and just being consistently upside down? Oh. It could be sick. Well, you would. You'd die, wouldn't yeah. you, surely? Because all the blood rushed to your head and it wouldn't go anywhere. Well, yeah. But would it because the gravity or lack of? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. You, would die, you would die, surely? I imagine so. But I'm just... Could you move your arms out? Or would you not be able to move at all? Why am I thinking so much about this? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have... Would you, you wouldn't be able to move, would you? Or would you? I think I've seen things of astronauts and stuff moving around, like pretending they're swimming and shit like that. So they must be able to move around. But they're not outside, they're inside. That's a good point. And they're in spacesuits, which helps them. But I suppose we'll never really know the answer to this, because if you don't wear a spacesuit and go out into space, you're dead. (laughs) Do you know what else I find mental? Why did they send animals? I I don't get it. Like, oh, we must... What are we going to send? Well, let's Russian roulette it, shall we? Oh, it's a fucking monkey. Send a giraffe. If you really want to send a fucking animal to space, send a fucking rhino or something. Like, like a rhino on a space station. Oh my god, everyone be dead. <laughs> I just really send, want to see what a giraffe a... spacesuit looks like. It probably, you'd probably have the feet at the very bottom, and then the next wall at the rocket would. <laughs> 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 Noah's spacesuit. Space. I'm not sci-fi doesn't interest me in the slightest, like all of the spaceship stuff. So I'm um unless it's ridiculous like the Orville, then I'm then I'm keen. Um but yeah, I, I, I I'm I'm intrigued to know as to whether you could actually move or if you would just float the same way forever and you couldn't actually 
don't know, you know. I, I generally have no idea. It's a problem we can't really ever find out, because if you go out in there with no protective stuff, you're dead. Well, there's no air, so yeah, it's immediately yeah. as well. <laughs> and it's probably like minus, God knows, you probably just freeze, I don't know. Anyway, let's know. move away from this and this. <laughs> And finally, Jamie, what is Callum treating us this week? And let's do some fucking justice. At some point in our lives, our arseholes can distinguish whether or not we're going to fart or whether we're going to shit ourselves. I wonder how it makes a decision. Especially, it's always weird when you don't know as well. You start, you're on the brink and you go, am I actually going to poo here? Or is this going to be, oh. you know... Or a risky fart. Like, no, it's a fart. Sheer, no, it's not. <laughs> the sheer like uh, pioneership. And you, when you're out and about, and you go, do you know what? I'm just gonna let this go. Fuck it. How do you know it's not a poo? How do you know you're not gonna stand there in the middle of Marks and Spencers and just go and it just fall out your trouser leg? Oh, very, very slowly. I mean, at some point, you're not going to be able to control that. So it's probably gonna. It, on- it only ever happens to me once. What, where you shit yourself in public? I wasn't in public, luckily. I was in my house. I was just chatting to my friend had come over because we were going to work at the Dama Festival in 2010. And we were just chatting away. And I was like, oh, wait, to fart. Fart, I went, no, I don't. And then ran to the toilet. And I had to text him and ring him and go, can you give me some spare boxes, please? I've shit myself. <laughs> I don't think I was very well that day. I'm going to um, guess not, no. No, but yeah, it's where it can deceive you every now and again. It can really deceive you. It's just like, I don't know. How could you tell the difference, though? And how does it know? No, it's weird how our body knows. Like, we don't ever question it, do we? Like, oh, it's fat. Like, you don't ever question it unless something bad's happening and you're about to go, oh, shit, no, clench, 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 run. <laughs> I wonder when we created, whoever created us, when life's hard and shit enough, let's give them something to laugh at. Let's make their bum holes make noises. There we are. The men will rejoice <laughs> and the women will be disgusted and never want to sleep with them ever again. <laughs> Although when they're alone, what they don't realise is the women find it just as funny and their smell worse, just to make it worse on them. Only if you marry them. Um, <laughs> <that's> a... <laughs> don't know. Well... Callum, that was absolutely sensational again. I feel really bad. We pretty much butchered them this week. I just love the fact that it went from baby clothes to spacesuits to arseholes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he holds all the cards. It's no holds bar with Callum. He'll go wherever he wants. He'll say wherever he likes. It's just, it's great. It's absolutely amazing. But the only thing uh-huh. is, Jay, I have to follow it. You do. You do. Time for Tom's journal. Read to me. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Some guy. Look, man, it's called Johnny Bravo, right? It's about a 30-year-old guy who still lives at home with his mum. His best friend is a child who lives next door, and his only goal is trying to get laid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's for children. <laughs> Cartoon, Network. Cartoon Network exec. Oh, fuck yes, dude, let's make it. And bang, fuck they did, because that program was incredible. Oh, my God. I absolutely <laughs> love Johnny Bravo. Oh, every single child walking around, you go, man, I'm pretty. It's just, that's a great time to live. That's... 
Oh my! Don't look around. Fucking the bunch. I just can watch it now. I just can't find some of it. <laughs> Shake a magic eight ball. Me. Will my vision ever get better? Coconut. Fox. And there's this like stupid journal entry. <laughs> oh, you only wanted one stupid one, was that? <laughs> oh god, here we go. <laughs> Don't be I was behind it. I was behind a grandmother who was apparently visiting Starbucks for the first time ever. The barista said, can I get a name for your drink? She looked very confused and said slowly, uh, I guess just call it Bob. <laughs> I want that to be true so bad. Oh, that was fucking phenomenal. Oh, God. Oh, I love it. I absolutely, <laughs> I, I, I love this. I love this so much. Look, Jamie, right? Boys literally have zero excuses for not having communication skills because I've seen you all play video games together and you describe it where it's like it's life or death. Well, I think you'll find it's because our teammates actually communicate back. It wouldn't work as well if we said, hey, Jason, are you pinned down? And we responded with, don't worry about it, it's fine. You should have been over here anyways, but whatever, I'm not upset or anything. And we just lost our entire female audience. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> it's true. <laughs> Hi, Claire. Oh, yeah. Hi, Gemma. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. <laughs> so there are certain, for the people that, for all you non-Brits out there, for all of our listeners from that outside of the UK, this is literally what we do. This is our way. There's different levels of saying, I want to leave. Okay, are you ready for this? <laughs> Number one, sitting on the edge of the sofa. Number two, looking at our watch. <laughs> Number three, saying, oh, is that the time? <laughs> Number four, slapping our thighs. <laughs> Number five, saying, right. <laughs> Number six, placing our mug by the sink. Oh, yeah. Number seven, putting on our coat. And number eight, saying right again. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're staying for at least another hour at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you're saying, see, man, you will go through all of that. You're just about to leave, and then you'll start talking again. And you're like, fuck, I'm going to start the whole sequence again. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> So, going back to your blind people last week, blind guy, oh, I love this half sandwich restaurant. Me. Wait, what do you mean? This place only serves whole service dog puts a paw on my lips. <laughs> and there's number two. Oh, so good. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. Jamie, um, did you find out how the vampire's interview went? Did he get the job? Oh, fuck's sake. Oh. Oh, God. One of my favourite films, but Jesus Christ, that's bad. I've always, I've always wanted to know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Fucking dreadful. 
<laughs> Guys, I'm not. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. You shouldn't be either. <sighs> Why is sleeping at night so fucking difficult? But sleeping in the morning is like drifting away in a soft, fluffy cloud whilst Adele sings you a lullaby. <laughs> it's so true. You'll lie there ages, but as soon as you need to be awake, your body's like, no. I think yeah, I okay. do it all the time. All the fucking time. Oh, I'm never God. tired at night. I'm always tired in the morning. Weird. We should go to bed till like 3 a.m. That's why. If your face social media post starts with, I bet my friends won't share this, be assured I won't even fucking read it, let alone share it. Ah. Oh. I can't stand that shit. Yep, I'm like... <laughs> this one's for you. My cousin failed a driving test because they asked her what signs you expect to see in the countryside and she said, fresh strawberries for sale? <laughs> oh, okay, fantastic. So good. I I hope I don't remember that when it comes to do because my humour will take over and I want to fucking say it. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> of all the reasons to fail the driving test. <laughs> I will give you a couple more. Home Depot staff meeting. Boss, someone has been breaking all the wood. Any idea who it is? Me, tightening my green karate belt. Probably someone pretty strong. <laughs> oh, I love it. I oh, love God. It so oh. Jane, <laughs> oh. right. Life's meant to be easy piece of lemon squeezy, not stress pressed lemon zest. I'm going to say depressed. Depressed lemon zest, not pressed. <laughs> Stress depressed lemon zest. As well oh, as say that. that is fantastic. I like that. Two more. I'm going to blow your fucking mind. Going back to the sleep thing at night. What if when we can't sleep, it's because the sleep servers are all full and spots only open up when other people wake up? Holy shit, like the Matrix. I don't, I'm going to overthink that now. I'm going to think the Matrix fucked in my head when I was younger. This is going to fuck with me now. Could you imagine? Nuts, no, isn't it? No, the way no, you think no, 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 it's not that. It's not well, that. No, no, it's no, fine. No, no, I will, no. I will just, I stop saying no. Like, you, you've no. made your point. No. <laughs> I will destroy that for you now. The word daddy has been so sexualized. My kids are going to have to call me bro or some shit. <laughs> And that was another edition of Tom's Journal. <laughs> Maybe you actually said that to me once. I didn't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> what? what? She, she said she actually called me bruh. Or something happened, she went, bruh. I was like, what are you doing? Get out of my house. Well, that's why. She <laughs> yeah. knows. She knows. <laughs> She's not know. stupid. That is the most horrendous. I don't know how anyone can enjoy that. No, 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 no. Oh, 
Fucking great. <laughs> Fucking great. I made you go, oh my God, mysteries of life. And I delivered that story away at the end. <laughs> oh God, absolutely superb. Ugh. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults, and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Mama Stevens. Moster Stevens. Yeah, why not? All right, we'll take it. We'll take it. Take it. This week, I said, inspired by our great weekend at the Bloodstock Festival, metal bands always have the greatest names, whether they be meaningful, funny, brutal, dark, whatever it may be. Which maybe ask the question, if you were to start a metal band, what would you call it? What say you, Mr. I've Stevens? Got I've got two. You've got two, okay. Touch and Cloth. <laughs> great name. Or Rug Muncher. <laughs> That's a great note. I like that. Yeah, car- carpet right trying to keep me out all the time, but I'm just starving. Fuck, <laughs> 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 he's back. <laughs> um, um, um. <laughs> I stopped with the samples. I thought. <laughs> what about you? I, I just genuinely couldn't think of one. Like I've read all the responses. Like these are just way too good. I can't compete with these. I couldn't think of one. I I came out on the spot. I'm not as quick-witted as you but these oh my god the amount of answers we had to these i was i was before i put this one i was like is this going to get responses i was a bit on the edge about this one but we got some fantastic responses first off we have ruby goodwin with the bees of chernobyl i don't know why that's really tickled me it's a great name my mother debbie Myatt says the rabbi and the pork eaters what (laughs) 
Sounds like psychedelic from the seventies. It does a bit actually. Yeah. Uh, her husband Tony Gaskin says Ewok evisceration. It's like a Star Wars metal band. I like it. I'm down for that. <laughs> Riley Delve. I don't know why this really made me chuckle. Frog's gone rogue. I want to know what that sounds like? John Weldon. He gives us. He gives us two. A gang- gangrenous womb. Now I could see that being a mess. I love that one. <laughs> and really bad looking abscess. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be grindcore. Yes, definitely. Uh, Igor Laguntenko with a fantastic answer, which again could be a grindcore band. Twisted testicles. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Igor. Legend. <laughs> Eating salmon. Porcupine anal. Just sounds really painful. <laughs> It's because it is, Jamie. I'm still in the spikes right now. <laughs> we heard from him earlier. He's here. He's here in the audience participation. It's Callum Treacher. Death by bench press. <laughs> That's such filth. a Callum band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Puddle of filth and sepsis tank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sepsis tank definitely sounds like... <laughs> That's what I love about these answers. They sound so ridiculous, but I can easily see them on a metal lineup. Easily, <laughs> including PR Brown's answers of circumscribed. <laughs> Fucking am- that answer was so good. <laughs> I loved, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. He put a lot of thought into that. He did. <laughs> I also put this answer into the Bloodstock group because I was like, "This is inspired by Bloodstock." We'll get some Bloodstock people answers. Mark <laughs> Sam Mason, fantastic answer. That took me way too long to get. Five three one eight. 008. What is it? Boobies backwards on the calculator. Oh, of course it is, yeah. <laughs> Ashley Smith says, me and my boyfriend came up with Coke cup fracture after getting McDonald's delivered to our hotel after a gig and when my Coke had spilled everywhere because the cup had split. Coke no, that, you know what? That is the worst <laughs> thing. That, that happened to me. I bought a milkshake from Casper's and it went all over my fucking carpet. Oh, no. Great name, though. That's a great name. It's a great name. And so is Paul Bobrucki, who suggests the Poopy Nuggeteers. <laughs> That's my favourite so far. <laughs> Mark Kempo. Men out of bounds, or moobs for sure. It's <laughs> great. It's a fucking great. Ryfuge. I'm a care worker myself, and another metalhead carer reckon... Me and another metalhead carer reckon Fecal Burn would be a great name for a gone Grindcore oh. band. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, that's a great name, though. <laughs> Ian Corrigan, I want to start a death metal band called Hard to Read, and my logo will literally be the most impossible thing to read ever. <laughs> genius. <laughs> Absolutely genius. <laughs> Adam McDermott with possibly the most bloodstock answer ever. Colossal Prawn is our fa- is our camp fantasy band. Everyone in camp had a tour t-shirt made of it and everything. That's Fucking super brilliant. <laughs> oh god, I'll give you a couple more. Mally Malpass has given us quite a few answers as usual. So first he says, My old band were called One Dice. It's a completely nonsensical name because a single dice is called a die. However, our first demo was called How Many Die because we were clever. Brilliant. Brilliant. I do love a play on Genius. Words. He says, I was once in a band called Piss Viper. 
It's a ridiculous name, and it was only supposed to be a non-serious studio project, but we decided to put a live band together, play two gigs, and then we got put on a bloodstock, so we were kind of stuck with it. Oh. <laughs> Talk about that for an accidental <laughs> booking. <laughs> Mally Malpass again, like I say, he's got four answers. He says, in my old band One Dice I mentioned before, we had a name we would book into rehearsal spaces as Anal Fortress. Again, <laughs> I could see that on a lineup. And he says, I really want to start a masked bear-themed melodic doom band called Arf, because Arf is Welsh for bear. Genius. Superb. I'm going to give you two more. First, we have Ryan Williams. He says, so when I was in high school, my buddies and I actually thought about a couple of names for heavy metal bands. So here's a few from them that I've thought of over the years. The Reapers. We would have all had bandmates dressed as a Grim Reaper and the guitar would look like a scythe. That looked wicked. That definitely would look amazing. The Rabid Reapers, similar to the Reapers, but find a way to make it look like we were foaming at the mouth during songs. <laughs> that would just look terrifying. <laughs> just eat a load of sour sweets before you go on. <laughs> oh, God. No. <laughs> Yoda's Yodlers. Bandmates would have dressed up as Yoda and the songs would have been Star Wars related. Brilliant. And he said, the many moons. The bandmates would just either be overweight or wearing fat suits. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, and the, the last answer. I know this is a game where we're making up band names, but this was too good and was the most metal thing I've ever seen in my life. Adam Phillips brought this to my attention. He says, this game has already been won. Go check out the real name of the band called Five Five Gore. You're welcome. So I went to Google and I typed in Five Five Gore's real name. Are you ready for this? Talk about fucking tongue twister at the start of the game. So Five Five Gore's real name is Interraceably consuming cephalgia through the cranium macerating debris fuck manure ingested remains of the mind fucked cataplexic wicked mankind whom fist fucked the progenies from the deepest depths of the anal maggot raped human pieces of erotic shitmus which gave birth to worthless eunuchs as travesty for cum stained whore faced sluts enslaved by the stupid society full of fetal garbages. I mean, you didn't have to read it that fast. We could have just listened to what it was. I mean, that would have taken, <laughs> do you know how long that would have taken me to read if I didn't read it fast? <laughs> But I mean, why would you want to call yourself that? So what's the five five thing for? Just oh, you have no idea. Down? I, I is there fifty five words there? I mean, I'm not going to count, but I don't think there's fifty five there. No, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I said to him, "Why fifty five gore?" And he was like, "I have no idea. I've been trying to find that out for years, and I have no idea." Okay. Might, reach, might reach out to him, get him on the show. <laughs> I won't get him on the show. <laughs> I'm scared of that's, that. Answer. That's a mental name. <laughs> That, that is <laughs> interesting. What do you even say to that? Like, well, that's exactly. I, I... So, thank you to everybody that participated in Jamie's participation challenge. We uh, appreciate all of your answers, um, and uh, everybody gets involved every single week. So, thank you for stellar fucking answers for this week. But if you enjoyed Jamie's participation challenge, Tom's journal, Callum Streetings, the shit at the beginning. No, sorry, the shit after the interview and the interview itself. I have to get after work, work my way around that one again in the future. <laughs> you can enjoy the other 97 editions of Chronicles of Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it be Google, Spotify, or Apple, or Good Pods, or wherever you listen to us from. We appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so much for listening. Every single week, we love and appreciate you sending it all, all the good vibes, all positive vibes your way, guys and girls, and everybody else. I've now forgotten where I am. Oh, you can also find us on YouTube. <laughs> 
YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you press that subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. That is the most important thing you could do for us. It means the world to us. Hit that bell to get notified when new videos are released and just comment to your heart's content. That'd be absolutely great if you wouldn't mind. Massive shout out to Hannah Hawkey for last week. Thank you to everyone that commented on that. It was it, it just it touched us in many ways you couldn't possibly imagine. Thank you so much for all the kind and wonderful words. Hannah was fucking amazing, uh, as I'm sure Landon was absolutely incredible uh, this week as well. Um, you can find on our YouTube, in no particular order, our interviews are on there, our shows are on there, our hashtag WBW Wayback Wednesdays are on there, our Bloodstock interviews from last year, now this year, are currently being added as well. Last year's obviously there in the entirety, but this year's being added. 2003's interviews there at the moment, our Dublin Crust vlog and our Bloodstock vlog from last year. So you are not short of any content whatsoever. Bloodstock interviews coming at you thick and fast, two to three a day. So enjoy those as they get smashed out and how fast Jamie can edit. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you like it on there and share it absolutely everywhere. That'd be wonderful. Thinking about it though, Jamie, where else could you find us? You could find us signing up to Landon's Ventriloquist University. So you can become a ventriloquist too. I can't do it. I need lessons. Interesting. Or on the X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, and whilst you're uh, at TCO Pod, and whilst you're signing up to London's Ventriloquist University, fucking amazing, by the way, and on our X slash Twitter. Where else could you find us? Buy tickets to go see the Poopy Nuggeteers live, obviously. Phenomenal fucking name. <laughs> or on the Instagram at TCO Pod. You can find us on TikTok at TCO Pod. Make sure you subscribe and like on there. You can find us on LinkedIn at the Chronicles of Podcasts. Or you can come on down to our gorgeous little brand spankingly sexy little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. You can find out all about us on there. All of our shows are on there and episodes, all of our sponsors and affiliations and everything. And our little shop where you can get yourself some TCO Pod merch as well. Get yourselves on there. And buy yourself a nice little t-shirt. It'd be wonderful, man. We'd really, really appreciate it. So that's make sure you subscribe on the YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast and follow us on all the socials at TCO Pod or the Chronicles of Podcast. Thank you. And now, as I wrap up here with my fake sheets of paper, over to Jamie with the weather. Well, today it's going to be quite rainy. No, we're going to say a massive thank you to our friends. First off, a massive thank you to the man that supplies every single piece of music that you hear on this show. That man is Mr. Matt Roberts. Go follow him on all the social medias at Matt Roberts Music. Go follow him on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your music from. Go check out his latest single, Rat Race. It is absolutely phenomenal. Let's build those numbers up. It deserves all the love you could possibly give it. A massive thank you to Matt for all of your delicious sounds, sir. And of course, we have to say a massive thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to www.staycozyclothing.com. Have a look, see what you like the look of, add that to your basket. And when you're there and you're ready to pay, put in that discount code, The Chronicles, and you'll get 10% off your order. What, what more could you possibly want? I'll tell you what you could want, those mugs, because they're amazing. And I'm going to keep plugging them every single fucking week. But while you're there giving Braden all that love and support, his Stay Cozy Clothing, go make sure you're following on Say We Can Fly, go check out all of Braden's incredible music as well. He's just announced he's going to release a collection of a load of songs that he wrote when he was younger. I cannot wait to hear these. I'm really intrigued what these are going to sound like. So make sure you're following Braden on all the social medias so you don't miss out on those. And last but not least, 
a massive thank you to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. They are stamping out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. And that everywhere is so damn important. Yes, what happened to Sophie happened here in the UK. We are a UK based podcast. But regardless, this is a global issue. This is an issue that needs sharing worldwide because I can guarantee what happened to Sophie has happened to so many other people all over the world. So please share Sophie's story, share the work of the foundation so we can make sure that what happened to Sophie never happens again. It's 2023. It's about time that people are allowed to walk around and not be judged and treated differently just because of the music they listen to, the way they've coloured their hair, whatever it may be. A massive thank you again to the foundation for all the love and support of Bloodstock. Cannot wait to get this year's Sophie blog vlog together for you of all the footage coming from Bloodstock. Absolutely cannot wait. A massive thank you to all the bands that participated in those interviews that said some beautiful words about Sophie and the work of the foundation. Cannot wait to get that all out for you. And yeah, just a massive thank you. Head on over to sophielancasterfoundation.com. Get yourself familiarised that story if you're not already and make sure you're sharing it out there for the world to see. And last but not least, a massive thank you to my very beautiful, handsome co-host. Thank you very much, Jay. Really appreciate it. Less of the adjectives, but I appreciate it. Um, all the same. So, but another absolutely wonderful episode, edition, sorry, and interview in the books. Mally, thank you so much. I cannot express um, for filling my slot uh, whilst I was recovering. So, you, you know, you are the biggest of legends and the most wonderful human we know. So thank you for being a legend. Landon, as well to you. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Uh, I'm so sorry I wasn't there. Um, but I know Mali would have smashed out the park alongside you, Jay. So, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time out London to sit and chat to us. Uh, it truly meant the world. Jamie, another absolutely sensational addition, sir. Indeed it was, my friend. Wonderful. Uh, but as for this week, we'll see you all next week for the Chronicles of Wesley Wang. Oh, yeah. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>